Hi, a very good morning to you once again. Uh, my name is Selom Adunun. This is the big issue. We are continuing our coverage of the uh, MPP parliamentary primaries across 111 constituencies across the country. Uh, that party, the ruling party, is holding the primaries in areas that it does not have um, sitting MPs. We call it orphan constituencies, and quite a number of them across the country. If you recall, this current parliament has equal numbers for the NDC and MPP, so quite a number of them, 111 now. There are a few others that have been put on hold for various reasons, and we will delve into all of that. So uh, we have our reporters scattered across the country at various uh, vantage constituencies. Um, they'll be bringing us uh, updates on the voting process, etc. We'll be touching base with them and speaking to the party as well. Um, this is the big issue as it is, and uh, we'll be dealing with the topical matters that have come up in the course of the week. Two of those issues we'll be looking at include one, the Office of the Special Prosecutor held a press conference, which many have said uh, was unprecedented, of persons, you know, uh, manning offices like that. Kisija, I mean, the Special Prosecutor, uh, largely has been said to have lamented at that press conference, stating that it appears uh, that the judiciary was frustrating his work because he feels that quite a number of applications or interlocutory matters it has taken to the court have been refused, uh, kind of painting the picture as if the work of the special prosecutor uh, was really, really being frustrated. A lot of commentary has come on that. The GBA has spoken on that, saying that uh, Kiseja, being, being a seasoned lawyer himself and a teacher of the law, should know how things work. There's a hierarchy of the courts. If one court denies, you go to the next, go to the next. So they've exhausted the process. It's only after they've exhausted the process that you can make uh, such allusions we will look at all of that, whether the Office of the Special Prosecutor is being supported as we all expect it to be supported. Uh, in saying that, does it also mean that anything the Special Prosecutor takes to court should pass? What happens to the rights of those other people who have been taken to court by the Special Prosecutor? Does the Special Prosecutor think that he should just have a pass, no matter the content of the application? This is law, no matter the, the propriety or otherwise of the procedure is adopting. We will subject all of this to some analysis this morning. Also, uh, the 2024 budget statement of government, has it been passed or it has not been passed? Two sides of parliament, majority and minority, have different versions of what they think it is. The parliamentary service had to come out with a statement to say that the budget is still before parliament, the budget hasn't been passed. We will try and understand the controversy, why the two sides have varying versions of the same story uh, because they think that the ruling of the speaker uh, was done and once it was done, the budget has been passed. The other side said there has been a challenge or there was a challenge to the ruling and per the standing orders, they had to see through that challenge to confirm whether it's been approved or not. Uh, others have said that government could look at, I mean, look at all of these, cut all these things, engage the, the minority and come to a consensus on what should be done. Now, budget which should have been passed the past week, you know, have, has been deferred to the coming week. Who, who, who suffers or who loses? Um, is it the people of Ghana? Is it a majority? Is it the minority? We will discuss all of that. My name is Selom Adunu. This is a big issue. I'll take a short break. Return with more. Don't go away.
Yeah, welcome back to the big issue. We're starting our discussion this morning, continuing from where uh, my colleague Nana Tufo left of the New Patriotic Party primaries. Uh, to help us do the discussion this morning uh, is my colleague Sami Wiafe, uh, who is our correspondent at the presidency. Also, um, uh, Honorable Claire Tusedu Dapila, uh, who is a member of parliament for uh, Jirapa. And also, we'll be joined by Nana Fridua Jiman, who is uh, a leading member of the New Patriotic Party. We'll be speaking as well to the director of elections of the New Patriotic Party, Ivan Sinimako, to tell us really how the processes are going. And as I did indicate, we will be touching base with a lot of our reporters dotted across um, the country in very, uh, at very vantage, uh, uh, or in very vantage constituencies. So this is our show. Gentlemen, you're welcome to the program. Thank you, bro. Great. Um, Honorable Claire, to say that this is one of the first, the first time really on the program. Uh, happy to, to have you. This is the first time on the program? Well, I've been coming here. Oh, okay. I mean, this, this program. The this one, yeah. Okay, yes, this yes, is yes, the first time. Yes, so, so I'm grateful to have you. Pleasure. Thank you, bro. Um, so, I mean, let me start off with you. Uh, you have been going around a lot, uh, seeing, you know, how things have been happening in respect of the new patriotic party in this particular uh, election. Uh, 111 constituencies, you know, uh, up, for, up for election today. Uh, what's your general uh, um, assessment of how the campaign has gone so far? Many have said that the parties delayed a bit. Uh, at some point, some said that there was a lot of, um, uh, uh, I mean, there was not, informa not, not enough information on when the primaries would be held. That affected the way they were campaigning, etc. Now we have a date. The date is upon us. That is today. What has been your assessment of the processes up to now? Well, good morning, Salam. Good morning, Honorable. Um, so the, the, the event today is in provision to the party's constitution. Article 12 of the MPP constitution spells out what the party is expected to do in times like this. It uh, had to do with the selection of a parliamentary candidate for um, constituencies where the party does not have certain members of parliament. So per the MPP constitution, it says the election of a parliamentary candidate should be 12 months before a general election. But... For the avoidance of doubt, the National Executive Committee shall have the party or the power to determine separate dates for election in constituencies where the party has certain members of. So if you, if you read the last statement issued by the General Secretary of the MPP, it said that the party, the constituencies where the parties do not have certain MPs, which is the often constituencies, it is going to have the election today. But the areas that have certain members of parliament, that will be on the 20th of January of next year. So two separate days for this election. So if you look at the, the, what is happening today, per the party's provision, the party has been delayed. Is that 12 months, 12 clear months before the election? A lot of people have also argued that the party could have done this a long time ago. But if you realize the party was much involved or concentration was on the election of a, a presidential candidate. So that took a lot of time, energy, and strength from the party uh, for, for that process to go through before concentrating on the uh, parliamentary uh, candidates or the parliamentary primaries. Others have also argued that the party should have gone the way of the NDC where all these elections were supposed to be held in one day, where both sitting members of parliament and often constituencies could have had their elections done one way at a go. But if you look at the history of the MPP, they've always held separate elections for the often constituencies and the constituencies where they have uh, the certain members of parliament. So the party is not really deviating from its uh, normal tradition or convention act that has come to be. Election has started as we've had our reporters telling us on the ground. Um, it's been peaceful so far. 
the party said by 2 p.m. Uh, they should know who and who are winning in the various constituencies. But some constituencies are going to be very, very keenly contested, especially some of them here in the Greater Accra region and then the Ashanti region and other parts of the country. The expectation is that when the party is done with this process, they, they will get uh, a united uh, party, mm. a candidate who is resourceful enough because what the party is looking for in these respective constituencies is that they need one, a resourceful candidate, someone who can bring all the, uh, the, 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 the factions together, unite uh, for the party to win the seat for the party. If you know, the, some of these seats were seats that were, that were held by the MPP, mm. but because of few divisions here and there, the party lost them in the 2020 election. So the party wants to put a strong candidate um, ahead of the election so that the party can wrestle these seats back for the MPP ahead of the 2024 election. So the expectation is that the party will come out united after this process, unite behind the elected flag bearer already, and see how it goes for the MPP in the 2024 election. They want to break the eight. And so this is where the process starts. The part, I've always said that the, the most dangerous um, wing of any election, especially the MPP, is the parliamentary primaries because the div that's where the division starts. If you don't elect a candidate who is able to put all the forces behind and then marshal an individual who will be resourceful enough and win the seat for the party, is always dangerous because what happens in the parliamentary primaries obviously affects the national election. Uh -huh. A party may come in, this unity may come in, and when that happens, it affects the national election and the candidate who the party has elected for the national election will suffer. Oh. Remember in 2008, the MPP lost the election because of parliamentary primaries. If you read the book by Dr. Arthur Kennedy, Chasing Elephant into the Bush, the Bush, it says that the, there was a lot of disunity within the party, and that affected the party greatly in the 2008 election. But a disunity is, is, is an issue, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean it was only at the, at, the, at the parliamentary level. Even at the national, in that election, there was some division. But then he was heavy in the parliamentary primaries, mm. especially in constituencies where there were certain MPP MPs. That's where the, the apathy and disunity came in. So the party may want to learn one or two things from uh, what has happened because 2008 is playing itself out mm -hmm. in, this, in, the, in 2024 election. Now the party is in power, has elected a new candidate, want to move ahead and win the next election. So what happened in 2008 may play again in 2024 election. And the party may want to avoid some of the mistakes it did in the 2008 election and make sure they forge ahead for the 2024 election. Mm, I see, quite interesting. Um, Honorable Cletus Dapila, um, or you, you are, of course, you are not involved in this, but you are an interested party, you know, observing closely <laughs> to, to, to benefit from the fallouts, really. What has been your impression so far about how the process has been? Well, uh, let me say good morning to your distinguished viewers, my good brother, and your production team and the entire workers of City TV. Mm. Uh, your station is one station that I usually watch and monitor because I think, by and large, you people are up to the job. Thank you. You are doing so well, very objective analysis. Mm, thank you. Sometimes with the political you know, stakeholders will come at you. Mm -hmm. Well, we think that what you are saying is affecting my party. Why should you be that bold to say the things you are saying? But that is how it should be. Mm -hmm. Journalism should not be, you know, a journalist should be very objective. You should be ethical and very professional and should be bold and courageous to say it as it is. That is 
how we can get it right mm -hmm. as far as our democracy is concerned. So I'll give you a thumbs up. Thank you for that. The MPP is, is going to the polls or already they are in the polls to elect parliamentary candidates for some often constituencies, numbering 111. I, that is democracy. Mm. You know, it is the only way we can elect parliamentary candidates to represent the various political party. You cannot pinpoint A to go and contest on the, on the party's ticket. You will have a lot of people coming at you. So the only way that is for us to use the ballot box, let the delegates decide who they want to represent them. And that is what the MPP is doing. I can only wish them well. All those contesting, I can only wish them well. And pray and hope that the process shouldn't be characterized by violence. Let them choose leaders, you know, without violence. You see, we, you want to lead people. So you should not be the one to be touting violence. Mm. When you want to lead, you should not be seen as somebody who cannot bring people together. So I believe and hope that they should be able to get parliamentary candidates that can unite their party. Mm. That is how they can probably match the NDC. Mm. So for me, I can only wish them well. But what worries me is the monetization of parliamentary primaries, particularly within the new patriotic party. But then this also does it. Yeah, we don't. It's we a, it's don't, a problem. We don't, we we don't go to that level. Mm. We don't. You are media people. Mm. I will urge you to probably do a bit of research mm. about how politics is being monetized in this country. In the last election, the major in the in the in the flag bearer election, flag bearership election of the MPP. What we know is that they were given 300 cities and 400 cities yes. as transportation. Yes. And, and, and you consider that huge enough to sway people's uh, minds as to who to vote for? Is, is that the point you're making about Yeah, it is, it is. So the NDC flag bearer, how much were they given? I, I, I do not know because, I mean, the two elections are different. One That's, was very competitive, the other one was. In fact, no, you cannot, you cannot say every, every election... Muhammad was on the post. No, he wasn't on the post. Dufour pulled out last minute. Yeah, but there was elections. You know what I mean is he went on a post. There will be an election to sort of um, affirm him or acclaim him. So let's but, go back mm -hmm. to the 2021. Mm -hmm. But 2022 now is quite a while. Yeah, the so, so gets, what I, what it guess, gets worse by the day. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that even with that one, mm -hmm. with that one, the one that you are saying President Muhammad virtually had on the post, he gave 40 cities per delegate as transport. Mm. Yet, it was a big issue. We are told it's 12 million. He released an amount of 12 million for every for their constituencies. 12 million yeah. per constituency? No, I mean 12 million for the entire country. Yeah, so I'm saying that. So have you, have you quantified how much 400 by the mm. number of delegates the MPP That's had? obviously a lot of money. What that's would be that's, that's, that's a lot of money. It was you so what I'm just trying million. to say is that even in parliament, we've been engaging each other or one another, the MPP, NDC, about what we can do to, to really stop monetization of our politics. Is it not because... We are worried. The, yes, is it not because the, the, electorate, the electorate or the delegates do not see you guys again after they vote for you. 
So they feel the only time and way I, I, to get something I don't, from you. I don't. I don't is, really think. I don't this time. Really of course, think. it is against the law to, to do that. But now these days, you have you guys have found a smart way of saying it. You call it transportation. So if you say you are giving somebody transportation to come and vote and go away, I mean it's difficult to pin that down to say that is vote buying. That's how you guys have done it. A smart way of going around. Well, it is. It but is vote buying in every sense is wrong. Very wrong. Law, yes. Very wrong. And so you, what you, you all engage in that. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that, bro, it is democracy is expensive. Mm -hmm. You cannot do it without spending money. But I'm saying that the level at which we are doing it, particularly the new patriotic party, which I believe that every Ghanaian will understand what the point I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Look. Parliamentary primaries, you have some of them, some candidates giving, paying as much as 10,000 Ghana cities per delegate. Mm. As much as 10,000. Some are even saying, some say they are going to pay dollars. Yeah. You understand? Why? To get what? To go to parliament. To, to make go to laws. Parliament, to, make to, laws to make laws. To make laws. For us. For us. Yes. No, I don't think well, which that. Which means that. It, I, don't, I mean, I don't, it presupposes that. I don't think that the, we, we, the work, we should do What, we what should you guys get in parliament or do in parliament goes way beyond making laws. Because well, it's just about well, making laws. You don't pay that much to, to make laws for me. Yeah, so I'm saying that it is, if you were to do serious research about it, you understand that though both parties engage in such, but there is one that just he that does it to the extreme and that is what we should all frown against it's is bad it, is it, yes I, I get that but it's bad i'm just curious is it because they are in power and perhaps have more access to resources that's why it's like that maybe next time when ndc comes back to power it could even be worse yeah i i am telling you that even when ndc is in power mm. they are afraid to spend such money yeah and i'm also saying that the situation gets worse by the day so what pertained in 2016 okay may have drastically been worsened by now because over time the situation gets worsened. So it, we will see it if NDC is to, is to win this election, comes between 2025 and 2027, 2028, there is a similar contest. That we can say that, okay, NDC has done well because they didn't spend as much, or NDC is spending more and so it's doing worse. Because, you know, every day, the situation gets so, worse. So I'm still calling on you to do thorough investigation. No, we, we will do when that. You do but I'm that. Just when to, you do that, you go back to 2013 to 2016, or mm -hmm. go back to 2015 parliamentary primaries of the NDC, mm -hmm. okay, when we were in power, and compare it to the 20, I don't know when the MPP did their primaries for the, the 2020 elections. Mm. Compare it when they were in power, and you will get to realize that even when NDC is in power, they are very careful mm. about spending money in our body politics. I see. Very, very careful. Mm. The research, or from where I sit, I can confirm to you that the NDC leadership and the stakeholders are very mindful of monetization of our democracy. I see. So for me, I think that our opponents from the other side should take a cue from it. Mm. You see, what we are doing, if we are not careful, lawyer, there will be a time that, there will be a time that, uh, uh, let me put it, game boys, you know, people who in illegal money. Questionable people. Questionable money. They will take charge of this country. They will take charge of our democracy. And that will not be good for us. Mm. But you see, that, that are, I mean, good points you're making. But I'm throwing it back to you because you, you guys know which, which people do it. But you guys are not willing to call anybody out. 
So you know that this is done by persons A, B, C, but you cannot call them out. And you expect the media to be calling them out. Yes, I think the, me the media should, the media should help us in this regard. Mm -hmm. The media should help us. So, so help, yes. Yeah. So, so help doesn't mean we take your place. We will assist you to do it. Yes. You guys are there. You know the problem, sometimes better than us. You guys must take the lead. We will, there are times we will take the lead. But when we take the lead, we can follow. Monetization of our politics is dangerous. And we know that. Like you're very, saying, very questionable dangerous. people with, with, with questionable sources of income, income will flood our politics and will be in danger. We, we know that. But we need you guys who are paid by the taxpayer to make laws and to do things for us to take the lead, call your colleagues out, you know, cite instances. The media will follow the lead and then we'll get it done. That's how it is. Well, well, I, I, I'm I, rather, I'm rather thinking it should, the, be it should be the other way. It should be the other way because... But the media has been talking about this thing for, for God knows how long. Yeah, so... so politicians, I've had conversations with the politicians and they tell you that if you don't pay, you won't get elected. If you don't give the amount of money the people are demanding, they will not vote for you. So, and, and, and that way, the politician is obliged, one way or the other, to, to give what the people are asking. I'm very much aware, in your primaries, you paid something before you, were, you got elected. You paid transportation. You paid yeah, transportation. Yeah, I paid transportation. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 and in the next election, you are going to pay more. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that I do not run away from the fact that our side don't pay we pay. We pay transport. We pay, pay and if you don't, if you don't pay, they won't vote for you. No, it's not, it's not like th those monies. Let me give you an example. Oh, those monies cannot let influence. Me, let me, it cannot. It cannot. Let me give you saying. an example. In 2019, mm. my parliamentary primaries, I paid 40 CDs per delegate for, for, for transport and, and feeding. Mm. 40 CDs. No, but you see, that's on the day of you, the election. You understand? That's on the, day, the of day of the election. election. Yeah, but that if is, you had something that is, to do, you'd have done it before the day of the election. Oh, I am telling you, that was the highest money I gave to any delegate. Really? My constituents are listening to me. The delegates are listening to me, and they can confirm it. But I, but, I won't lie. But, but maybe yours was the highest compared to your competitor. No, no. Well, you I... Raised I the bar. You raised the bar. Not that I raised the bar. <laughs> not that I didn't raise the bar. Others probably... Others mm -hmm. gave more than that. But I'm saying that it was... On a minimal, so, minimal so you're comparing range. it to the other side. I'm just comparing it to the, it to the other side. Right, For I, instance, I let me give, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Really. I'm just telling. I'm just having information from my constituency mm. that there are two candidates contesting. One is paying 300 cities per delegate. The other is paying 200 per delegate. Mm. The NDC never did that. No, but I see. The, the, I, I get your point. By using absolute figures, without you know contextualizing the the the, the effect of that money in today's economy. 40 cities four years ago, three years ago, cannot be 40 cities today. So I'm, so saying, the, I'm, saying, I'm talking of 2019. Yes, 2019. So in the, in the, 2019 sorry, four years ago. I'm talking of, uh, 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 what's the name? What's the name? What's the name? Or your recent primaries? Yeah, the recent one. Okay. I'm talking of the recent elections. Mm, I see. You all right. I'm talking I think we all said the same thing. So, we are all just condemning. So, so the monetization the, the, the is something that we of, just of have politics. to... The good thing is that we know that it's a problem. It has to be dealt with. We understand there's some... A uh, little bit of difficulty, some confusion of a kind, at the Okankwe North uh, constituency. That's a very interesting constituency to watch because there's an MP from Okankwe North. In fact, a sitting MP from Ikrapim North is moved to that constituency to contest, leaving the Okankwe North constituency uh, to uh, former organizer of the party, Samir Wuku. And she's now coming to slag it out with uh, people like Isa Fusini and a few others. 
I'm talking about uh, Nana Dokuya Isiama uh, for current MP for Ikrapim North, now moving to Okanko North to, to slag it out. We understand there's some confusion there. Uh, let's see what really that is. So that was the Okankwe North constituency. Some confusion, obviously, happening there. My colleague, Philip Latte, is a man on the ground there. Of course, there were some constituencies we, we actually expected things like this. This is one of them, for the reasons I stated earlier. Philip, Neil Latte, uh, welcome to the big issue. What can you report? What's happening there? What is the source Thanks. or the cause of the confusion we are witnessing? Thank you, Selom. So uh, currently at uh, Sunnyside International School, which is located at Ni Boy Town within the Okainkwe North constituency, where the elections is happening. Uh, just uh, a few minutes ago, uh, we had some misunderstanding uh, at this particular um, centre where some of the aspirants within the contest uh, complained about some um, delegates within different constituencies or to put it in another way are not familiar with um, activities or are not known in this constituency uh, came in here to uh, vote. Um, so it raised some eyebrows, it raised some issues and the police had to address the situation. So it's got some of the delegates at the gate that you saw in that video there. They were very uh, concerned about it to the extent that they had to just um, exchange um, or say put um, themselves together and uh, or say fight against this particular action. It was a very interesting situation, but with the numbers we have concerning the police here, they ended up addressing the uh, situation. So I can tell you for a fact that now the security presence is being beefed here, and at the entrance of the center, that is Sunnyside International School, um, this place, before you enter, you would well be screened before you come in here. And Salom, I have expected here as some 850 delegates who are supposed to uh, cast their vote to 
um, elect a parliamentary candidate for the 2024 elections on the ticket of the NPP. Mind you, in this particular constituency, it makes it very interesting because we have the editor of the Daily Searchlight, that is Jane. Uh, Crunchy, who is contesting in this constituency. We have Prince Owusu uh, Mensah, who is contesting in this constituency. We have former deputy CEO for Maslock, um, Abeta Ifia Akoto, uh, who is also contesting in this uh, constituency. We have Stephen Kofi Nyako Adipa, who is also contesting in this constituency. Former MP of this area, uh, that is Fuseini Issa, is making a comeback to contest in uh, this uh, constituency after he lost the 2020 elections to uh, Teresa Ladi of the NDC. And also, we have the incumbent MP for Ekropon and Deputy Trades Minister, whose name is Amak Dukia, who is also contesting in this constituency. So it makes it very interesting uh, in this particular con constituency. It's been said that since there are six of them in this particular um, contest, it, anyone who wins will certainly win with a very slim margin. Uh, some of the aspirants are visibly um, at this particular place, um, ensuring that at least uh, their presence is known here. I'll speak to one of them, whose name is uh, Fuseini Issa, who is the former member of parliament for this particular constituency. Hello, sir. Welcome to CTTV. Thank you, Philip. How is the exercise going for you so far? I think um, it's orderly, and uh, we expect it to continue like this. Are there some concerns or for you, everything is moving on smoothly? Um, it remains an internal contest. So whatever concerns I have will be addressed internally. Yeah, but so far so good. One may ask, well, it's, it's an obvious question. What are your chances of winning this contest and coming back as the member of parliament for this constituency? I have told you much, I told you much earlier. Um, of the people contesting today, if you look at the field, I don't think anybody has more experience within Okankwe than me. Yeah. I have worked for Okankwe, in Okankwe, by Okankwe, to Okankwe, to the benefit of Okankwe, enough. And that's what we intend to continue. Um, I didn't do my politics in Ododododio and transfer myself like here. I've been with the people like since I was a little boy. They know me. I've been given the opportunity. My record is there for everybody to see. And that's what I'm asking them to help me to continue with the record that I started the first time around. That's what I did. Rightly so. So you have there, that is Fuseni Issa, who is the um, aspirant for uh, this uh, particular uh, race. And just in, in your shot, you can see uh, Ifia Akoto, uh, who is uh, also from the deputy um, Maslok CEO, former who is also uh, contesting in uh, this particular exercise. And she has been here for quite some time and saying that, well, some issues that she raised, we will try and have a word or two with her um, as the process continues. But some, other, some of the delegates are, are seated here and waiting for the, their turn uh, to uh, cast their vote. Hello, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm thank God. Uh, what's your name? My name is Kinsitete. Okay, this way. You, you are here to vote this morning as a delegate. Yes. What are you looking at? We are looking for somebody who can bring victory to Okankwe North. We have been an uh, orphan constituency for a long time. So we need somebody who will, come, who will be a mother for all or father for all for Okankwe North. That is 
what are we at? Right, so, so he, he, it's, it's, it's time to go and take his uh, chance. So he, he's saying that they want someone who can annex the seat for the um, NPP uh, in the 2024 elections. So out of the six, certainly somebody has to be chosen to annex the seat for th this particular co constituency. Let me speak to another delegate. Uh, the line is moving very quick here, but I'll speak to another like, Hello, madam. How are you? And good morning. I'm good. Uh, what's your name? I'm Elizabeth. Okay. What are your expectations? Six individuals in this race. At the end of the day, what do you want to see and what do you expect from any of them who wins? Oh, wins come from God. Whoever wins is accepted. We are all one family. So we expect one person to win. In every contest, it's a winner. So we leave everything in the hands of the Lord. So for her, she's open for whoever who wins. Uh, in every contest, there is a winner, and certainly it will be done so. So um, you can see the action is really happening, and um, at the end of the day, one individual will certainly win this contest. So we, we will try and speak to a number of the delegates and see from them if um, what they really make of this exercise. And... Um, at the end of the day, who becomes victorious in this exercise. So, Salam, that is it. Uh, six um, aspirants in this race. Expected as 850 delegates to vote in this uh, constituency and choose a member of par um, parliamentary candidate who is going to contest on the ticket of the party uh, to annex the seat for the N NPP in the 2024 election. Security here has been beefed up. Um, the situation that we saw earlier has been addressed, that some individuals were coming in to vote who weren't from this particular constituency. The police has taken this charge and everything is now calm here in this constituency. Salam. I really wish you, you were able to speak to uh, Amadokia just to hear from her as well and uh, to, help, to help us understand why really she, she left the Ekwapim North place, the Cropon, uh, for this one. It's a question we've always asked and not really so, had any answer from her. <laughs> so, um, Selom, it's, it's interesting that um, I haven't cited her here today, but I have seen her husband, Charles Bissou, who is here uh, in a way to support the, the wife. I'm sure that as the exercise goes on, uh, she's going to be here in person um, to uh, vote or to also cast a ballot in this particular uh, constituency. But with this particular space now, we, we've just seen only two aspirants. That is Fuseni Issa that I spoke to earlier and also the former deputy CEO of Maslock, uh, that is uh, Efia Akoto. I see. Um, thanks so much. But also, you know, the queue is moving so far from what we can see and from what you, you've admitted to. Um, so given the pace at which it's going, is it likely that by 12, we should have the process conclude and, and, about, I mean, and, and get a winner announced? Yeah, certainly. I, I spoke to the EC uh, person in charge of the elections here and I spoke to one of the aspirants in the contest and he said that um, as at um, say 9.30 which the time now is um, 9.47 we had almost like 200 individuals or delegates who have casted their or cast their ballot here and they are hoping that by two the exercise comes to an end but at the pace at which it's moving uh, it's certainly going to end very early. 
and the delegates will tell who wins at the end of the day. It's just interesting that we have six of them here. So it tells you how almost all delegates are in to vote for who they, 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 they think that will, will win this exercise today. And the Electoral Commission is leaving no stone and ten to ensure that the process is done smoothly, fair and transparent and is done on time. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Philip Nilati, my colleague at the Okanko North constituency. Thanks so much for uh, bringing us up to speed on what has been happening in that area. Uh, thanks so much. So, guys, I mean, that was Fred, um, that was uh, Philip Nilati at the Okankwe North constituency, a constituency that is that we are we are keeping an eye on. Uh, six candidates in in that contest, quite a number of them. Uh, the former MP for the area, uh, Isa Fuseni who is no stranger to this program, is, is seeking to come back at least to the party uh, uh, parliamentary candidate position. Um, we also have uh, Ken A.J. Crunchy, uh, lawyer and uh, editor of the Searchlight newspaper, recently took an interesting matter to the court, uh, seeking the, the Supreme Court to declare that Mr. Mahama was ineligible to contest the 2024 election. He was thrown out quickly and a few things were said about him at the Supreme Court by the judges, but that's another matter for another day. We also have one Prince, Owusu Mensah, uh, Albert Efia Akoto, who is a former deputy CEO of... Alberta Efia Akoto, former CEO of Maslock, also Stephen Kofi Adepanyaku, and also Ama Dukuya Esiama, sitting member of parliament for uh, the Ekropon area, and now parliamentary aspirant for Okaikwe North constituency. Quite an interesting one there. Um, so guys, this is what we have. Um, welcome to Nana Fridu Ajiman, a leading member of the New Patriotic Party. Thanks so much for um, having you again. What was your general impression about? You don't seem to like me very much. Oh, why so? Leading member is quite a, 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 a repeatable uh, title. Nana Fridu Ajiman Ofurata. Ofurata is... is, is it's, it's very important. Name. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Apologies for that. Because there, there are people who are called an Afridi Ajman. Okay, so, so Furata. But those of us who know you, know you. Uh, maybe the younger generation. So, so Nana Fridua Ajman of Furata, yeah. uh, leading member of the. If, if it's too much, party. and I remember by primary school, uh, you know, in my day when, when they, uh, they promoted you, you're in the assembly line. They in call your name. Class one is in front, class two. Yes, so, yes. so if you are promoted, you take a step back. Mm -hmm. So my school, the headmaster picked up a habit of mentioning my name, Nana Fridiajma of Riata. Oh, who? Oh, your name is Longo. <laughs> so that's for class one. Yeah. So now I get to class two, he mentions my name again, Nana Fridiajma of Riata. And then the children remember, so everybody says, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see. But your, your impression so far, I know you, you've been around. Um, you know Kankwe North very well, and the Ablukuma areas where you, 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 you have been. General impressions and specifically uh, what you've seen at this place, Kankwe North. Well, um, um, uh, looking at, well, listening to the report um, is my primary source because I honestly haven't been in that neighborhood. Um, and uh, this morning I haven't checked to see what's going on around. But um, listening to the report, uh, uh, apart from the tensions, which is normally expected, you just pray that it won't get to a level of uh, you know, shaking people up and uh, things like that. 
uh, you expect attention. Um, so for me, looking at you know how the voting is going and everything, I think it's going well. It's interesting that they have that number of candidates, um, and for me, I like that because then it says that we have a, a good uh, uh, resource base uh, from which to to pull uh, thoughts and ideas and getting things done. I hope. Uh, and, and, and pray that people appreciate that it's a political party, it's a matter of choice, and eventually one person will be chosen. Yeah. Um, how that person carries themselves on behalf of the party will push the, the party to victory. That seat is primarily been an NPP seat, as far as I know the history. Um, I don't know what went wrong and uh, Isa Fusen uh, lost the CTS. Yes. Uh, very affable gentleman. Uh, let, let's see. He, he should, you know, you'd expect that he knows what the, the issues are to, to, to you, win you, it back. You mentioned that the numbers suggest good, um, a good resource base from yes. which. Uh, a certain vibrancy. Yes. Yeah. That, that's great. But the, the downside to that is if there are many and it gets too competitive. You know, mending the fences or I mean the cracks after the contest becomes an issue. So that what you call good resource base could become counterproductive uh, and and spur people. And, and for me, it's it's a it's a it's a problem for Ghanaian politics. The mm. NDC suffers the same. The other small parties, when they used to be strong, CPP, they suffered the same. And it's it's a uh, characteristic that. The political parties haven't done well to resolve. There's a way of doing that. That is letting people appreciate and understand uh, this process, this whole democratic process. You, it's not for you and your family to take home and fold in your pocket and take it out and have dinner over it when you choose. It's a movement that's supposed to bring a certain representation of the constituency. It's supposed to do things on behalf of the people. In the process, people are going to be interested in doing the same thing. It's one seat. People are going to want to be in that seat. You must respect that. When you get there, if you want to win and win properly, you want to make sure that everybody competed with you understands that, okay, I won, but we're in this together. You're supposed to do that. It is your calling as a victor. It is your calling to reach out to uh, everybody else who loses. There's bound to be bitterness. Some people don't, can't control uh, their emotions when it comes to losing a battle or even uh, in the process of f uh, fighting in this battle to get to the point of uh, victory or, or non-victory. You know, so the, by now, my expectation is that people who go into these positions of becoming a candidate must realize, because it's very engulfing. Salam, I've been a candidate quite a few times on different levels. I've done uh, regional competitions, I've done parliamentary competitions. You, you, you get engulfed in the mood of, I have to win this thing, I have to win this thing. Even when you go in just to get yourself exposed, you end up feeling, no, I, I could probably win this thing. So it's you and your handlers who have to be very mature about knowing the space that you've entered. And I think that 
it is incumbent on political parties to build that amongst their people. Mm. So you can't even hold the candidates responsible. And for me, there's to the, the term that's used is, oh, they, they need to be unified. What does unified mean? Every morning when I wake up, I should call somebody and say hello because we competed and the person lost. It doesn't work like that. Uh, unity means understanding the process and going with the flow, knowing that this is the cost of winning, this is the cost of losing, and be preparing your mind for it. It's not as simple as I say it, but if we don't imbibe it, it doesn't grow into your system, and that's what they need to do. I see. On your earlier comments, you, I mean, you were running comments before the uh, discussion with the Okaikwino thing about uh, views in general. I think generally it's going to be a good day. Um, there's some seats that uh, uh, we probably will never make it for. But we must have representation, at least at the ballot box. Uh, there's some seats that we can make. It just is a matter of effort. I mean, there's talk about seats that we held that we lost. That means we can take them back. And there's some seats that every now and then, even those on the other side, who hold the seat slip because they don't know how to manage the seat and so uh, we can win those too and then there are the, the seats that are good on good uh, uh, in fact those are the two options now come to think about mm. it those are the two options those that we've had before and can win back and then those that we can try and take over so it's the prayer that all the candidates we're choosing know and understand these factors and are not just going in there to be seen, but making sure that they're heard by the constituents. Mm. There was talk about money. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed that my brother thought that it was a discussion to hold in the manner that he held it. Mm. It's like saying we're all thieves, but the other steals bigger things. What happened in, in the, in the flagbearership? <laughs> no, listen to my statement. Okay. I said that it's like saying we're all thieves, but the other steals. The other one said I paid 400, I paid 300. Same thing he's saying. But I'm saying, is, is that not a ridiculous It's thing? ridiculous. Yes. It's ridiculous that we even want to compare ourselves to other people. What you want to do is talk about the fact that it should stop across board. Uh, stealing a Peswa is like stealing a million CDs. It depends on who you stole it from mm. and when you get caught. That is why some people go to prison for uh, uh, stealing a good. And some people don't go to prison for stealing a million CDs. I mean, we must be truthful and realistic with what is good for Ghana. What is good for Ghana is that whether you are giving 40 CDs as he claims he gave, or somebody's giving 300 as he claims somebody gave. Mm. It is all not good for us. That's what the point should be, and that's what, and then when he was trying to plead with the media, he now couldn't even make a case because of the position he took. Meanwhile, uh, throwing it to the media is also the position I hold. I agree with him on that. Mm. You, the media, have a bigger uh, opportunity to solve this problem than politi politicians. Salom, mm. uh, you cannot go to city TV constituency and tell the cameraman that today you don't take any money from me. Eh? Mm. When you going there, know that even if he doesn't ask you for it, it's expected of you. The thing that we need from the media to do is to let that, and what normally happens is that in the media, I've observed this and it's very bothersome, in the media, the media actually encourage it. How? Oh, I hear you, 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 you haven't done anything in your constituency. What does that mean? 
you haven't done anything in your constituency. What does that mean? No, but if, if, part of the, if, if part of the criteria is to have contributed to the party in a certain way, and somebody comes up without any clear track record, is it not a good question What's to ask? What's that contribution we're talking about? No, contribution could be anything. Helping the party, growing the base, doing anything. Yeah. Not monitoring necessarily. But, but you see, you know, Anselm, let's not uh, haggle over it. You know. Typically, they mean you, okay, you don't, we don't see you at funerals. Uh, we don't see you dashing people money. That kind of thing. Mm. That's what they say. We don't see you paying people school fees. We don't see you trying to roof some schools, uh, replace their roofing sheet. That's not. No, but you see, I, I get your point. And it's a, it's a very healthy discussion. What's going to make have, Ghana really. grow? It's a very healthy discussion to have anyway. Yeah. But is it not the same people who go around telling them that when I will now construct a road, but you see, I'll build this school? I'll do you're that. You're shifting the pole, and I was, I was mm. pointing the finger at mm. you like he was. Mm. And I was agreeing with him that mm. you, the media, can help. We can help. Yes. Help. And I'm saying mm. also that you, the media, don't help mm. currently, but mm. you can help. Mm. I'm saying you don't help because. When you're interviewed, I've been interviewed on radio because I was competing. And those are the questions they ask you. Mm. And I'm saying those are not the questions we should be asked. Mm. You should be challenged on your intellect, your capacity to de uh, develop your understanding of legislature, those types of things. But, but you see, I, I get They don't do that. Instead, they ask you, no, but if you say, they say you don't come, <laughs> that's a concern of the but, people. But you see, uh, I'm saying you, the media, yeah. when you put it out, you, you're justifying those who are raising that issue. Mm. Don't. No, but you see, I, when, I get, when, I get when the you point now, you're making. When you but now say, uh, bear with me, please. Mm. When you now say, look, those of you out there who think that an MP's job is to go to funerals, stop it. It's not developing Ghana. Then you're helping Ghana. Mm. But that's, the same, that's the argument so, so to I'm my pushback, the same MPs will go and tell them that they when will you be finish, with them. When you finish educating the public, attack those people. I'm saying I agree with you too. Mm. Because it should not be the conversation. Mm. You should not, as a candidate, be promising things that are beyond you. You cannot construct roads. It's mm. not in your, 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 your uh, uh, scope. It's not. You cannot, cons you cannot construct schools. You cannot put up hospitals. You, you can't. Mm. And the and people can say they, lobby, they can lobby to get it done. Yeah, that's their job. Yes, you and some of them do. So they say, I brought it here. Yes. So you see, as if I went to lobby you to bring him on TV, when I meet him, why shouldn't I say that I'm the one who lobbied? Mm -hmm. So that the, one is a now you go sell that to them that when you come back, you construct the road. If they ask you, but you don't construct, you said, I will lobby to ensure so the road comes. So start that. Yes. No, that, but it, look, it's, it's in the discussion. But they, I'm saying they if you say that, that I will lobby, that one, you cannot be faulted. Mm. If you fail to lobby, and they say you fail to lobby, so don't so, so yeah, but They see, are also right. To, to simplify things, they'll say you didn't build the roads for us. They, they say a lobby out we, because We must be very clear, because it comes with money. Mm -hmm. If you can afford to construct a road, it means you have money. But if you're going to lobby for a road, it's your mouth. Very well. Let, let, let me, interesting point. Uh, my, uh, I mean, Franklin Kujo is on, um, and he, he, he's, he's very interested in matters like this. Uh, Samuel, I'll come to you as well. Franklin, I mean, the discussion is taking quite a, a different turn. We have other things to discuss in the next few minutes. But the discussion about what MPs can do, should do, should tell the people, etc. I mean, my two politicians. Why don't you want to talk about what me? Wait, wait, wait. I'm, 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 I'm not finished. Let, let me finish framing my question. I'm just saying that my two politician friends <laughs> appear to be on one side against us on this one. I'll, I'll rope in Martin, uh, what's the name? Franklin as CSO. They appear to be on one side against media and CSO that we should do better. We should help them better. I don't know what you think. My view is that, my view is that the politicians must, must, must take the lead. Media and CSO will support them. 
if we say MPs don't build roads, and they go and tell the people that MPs build roads, they undermine what we say. And because they are the people in there, they have the resources and doing all of that, the people will listen to them than us. And later, when they are in office and they see they cannot do that because it's not really their job, now they come to us and say, we didn't help them. I don't know what you, st where, where you stand on this quickly, frankly. Well, first of all, let me greet everybody in the studio and everybody watching and listening. Um, I think there's some of that that we need to be dealing with as well. Um, our good friend Sydney passed on. And, um, I mean, Sydney was a pillar, he was a good friend. And yes, he was that passionate, he was that passionate about the country's uh, progress. Um, of course, people who have their views, but I think it's one of the stalwarts when it comes to Ghana's financial um, sector yes. conversations. And indeed, uh, he was a, was a very strong anti-corruption. Uh, it was a permanent, it was, a per, it, was, it was up to a point, a permanent feature with yourself on this exactly. program, yes. Yeah. I mean, I just saw some of the, uh, some, some pictures that we had, I think 2018, when we had brought back the Bullfrogs, kept seeing him, uh -huh. because <laughs> when we, came, we brought the Bullfrog to the program, and it's sad that uh, this has happened, but uh, we, this is, we should be sending sympathies to the family, and indeed at the right time would, uh, would know what to do. We'll do that. Yeah, so, very well. Let, let me let, let me see this opportunity to do that as well. Um, I, the, the way the matter started, I mean, took that out of my so. Uh, uh, condolences to the family of um, Sydney Kisley Hayford. Very forceful gentleman, very articulate, and had a way of putting across his points. You may disagree with his position, but you admire how he does it, and sometimes lays with a lot of humour and all of that, he, he, he tried to put his point across. And his love for the country, really, is something you can't fault because, I mean, his, 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 his interest in seeing the country get to a point uh, led him in being a permanent feature or panelist on this program, joined the Occupy Ghana, authored a lot of their documents or contributed greatly to that, especially when it came to the economics and the finance aspect of things. It's a gentleman we've lost and we will feel for, for a very, very long time. So to the family on behalf of uh, the program, the station and its management, I say our condolences to him, a very, very sad event. In fact, there, there were times that Sidney himself he said that, you know, I, we've had discussions about death, etc. What's his view on death, etc. And Sidney's one of those guys who, who will tell you that death is death. If he comes, he comes, you know, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. But now he, he is gone and he's going to be with his maker. We wish the family well, and, and we pray that they will be strengthened in this time. Um, Sami, you knew him, just two you seconds. Just, you just indulge me just a, a minute. Okay. Just a minute. Mm. You know, I, I like the way you put that um, he held his views, and some people may not agree, but it's interesting. Today we are discussing bans on uh, certain staples like rice. Sydney, many people forget, was also a rice farm, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he was interested in rice, but I'm telling you, Sydney will be the last person to say that we should impose bans on uh, staples like rice. He would never do that because he doesn't believe in it. Mm. Even though he would believe that the local produce should be available for everybody to, have, have to eat. I see. That's great, great. So I'll come back to you on the substantive matter I, I put to you. Uh, Sami, just, just one it second. Was, on it was sad we heard the news yesterday. Very sad. Um, he's been 
a prominent feature on the CTFM. Um, eyewitness news, especially the days I used to produce, which I still produce. On issues of financial matters, you always call him, he will give you his opinion on matters. He was a very prominent member on the Occupied Ghana as well. So, anytime issues of Occupied Ghana, accountability, governance, um, showed his head, Sydney was the go to person. And he had health issues, the health uh, deteriorated for a while. At a point when you call him, um, you will not get him to speak to you on matters. You were told he's gone for checkups and the rest. So when information came yesterday of his passing, it was very sad for especially those of us who knew him personally and also knew him um, over the phone in terms of production. And like the whole eyewitness news team yesterday was very, very sad to hear about his passing. What we can say is may the good Lord rest his soul. Great. No, no. I, uh, he, I'd say I was an acquaintance mm -hmm. um, and uh, proud to have met him, known him. Gentleman's gentleman. I mean, gentleman's gentleman. And strong views, like you've all stated, very strong views. And for me, I'd meet him in Fora, you know, where you just, and it was just uh, delightful to hear him and, and insightful as well, because his views, strong views, and clearly stated and all of that. Uh, very respected. No, I don't know too many people or anybody, in fact, who didn't have high regard for him. Mm. Yeah, everywhere we went or met. Um, so it was good. And from a, a very astute family, family that's been fighting for Ghana for uh, a good part of the last century, uh, you know. So, it's, uh, ah, that's, this is mm. not good. This is a hard thing. Yeah. yeah. Great. Sad. You, you knew him as well. Well, I, I, I know him in the media space. I know him as somebody who was very, very, he was an ardent critic of the then administration. Mm -hmm. and, and I will not miss words in saying that sometimes uh, it's death. It will come when it will come. Mm. It's not something that you wish for anybody. But for me, the manner in which we do our politics or we critique governments in this country, particularly the CEOs and the independent arbiters or independent persons or stakeholders that we expect or independent voices that we expect that they should always talk about national issues and say it and say it as it is. We we were we had those voices when President Mahama was in power. But Fast forward from 2017, we lost those voices. And that is my problem. That's my, that, that is, I know, well, yes, I am, yeah. So paying tribute doesn't mean that, please. It's part of the tribute. I'm talking about somebody who was always heard, criticizing a particular regime, and another regime came and he went silent and all of that. So that one, I must say it, I must say it. May his soul rest in peace. My condolences to the family as well. By his proper, I made no, no, everyone that's fine. to know that, that that's, that's okay. he was, <laughs> just how he was, mm. and when another regime came, he went silent. Very well. Um, so, frankly, now let, let's get back on track. Thanks for, for bringing that. You just escaped me. So, yes, uh, the, the discussion we're having with Nana and, and, and Kletus on the monetization and what MPs should do, promise to do, and not to do, etc. Just your quick thoughts on that. I will get back on track with the MPP matches. Well, I mean, this debate is rather quite interesting, and I feel that we've lost significant momentum to deal with this matter. Um, now, the matter has gone out of hands, really. I mean, if you listen to some of the songs that are being mentioned as being given to delegates 
uh, you only muffle, really. And, and even in this election, you are likely to find, uh, you are likely to hear stories that, <laughs> stories of such, really. So I'm not entirely surprised. I don't, frankly, um, people have said maybe we should think we should we should go back to basics as in trying to discuss the issue of the issue around uh, supporting political parties, the state fund, funding political parties. Something I actually am against, by the way. I, I, I think strongly what we should be thinking about is ask questions as to how these persons came by these monies. And I think that's the duty of the electorate. If we begin asking questions rather than accepting these gifts as they were, they are not actually gifts, really. I mean, they are just uh, probably corrupted gifts because, first of all, nobody will willingly give you money just because they think you are nice or you are a follower. I would have thought that if it was a hard-earned money, they wouldn't spend it that way. So I think people who receive these sums must ask those questions. If I think it was Kennedy of Japan who, um, even though I know he also gave money, I think during his campaign, he made a very important viral call on the delegates and said, look, if somebody comes to give you 5,000 cities today, that means that's the value for the entire four-year period that he or she might be in office, right? Because he's not likely to see you again, which was really the government of the issue, which means clearly that if you value your life, that in all the four-year period that this MP is going to be your MP, um, do you really think that your worth is just about 150, 200 cities rather than what he can possibly do for you as in advocating sensible laws that would impact on your own livelihood? I think these are questions we should be asking. We should sufficiently educate the electorate to start demanding this question. But of course, um, it's going to take a while because people have also suffered and they think that it's their cocoa season normally when these uh, elections are held. But we should try and educate them as much as we can. And I, I agree with my Nafredajimofuri at that. that I think I pronounced the full name, my good brother. Uh, that <laughs> that uh, we should uh, we should educate people to to know that these things are wrong. I mean, I don't know how you classify these things as transport fee and all of that stuff. It's all part of the corruption in the way. I mean, if you've better people's lives, they should be willing to come and put for you, do anything for you. You know, that's what I think should happen. Uh, but in, the, in in a country where despondency, what should I say, is abundant. Clearly speaking, people will run and, and cling on whatever is thrown at them. I, I see. Great. Um, now, um, so this is a big issue, 97.3 um, City FM again, City TV, and on our socials. We are looking at the MPP's primaries uh, for today, primaries in areas that a party doesn't have um, MPs. They call them orphan, orphan constituencies. And we've just been looking at them. We've, we started this quite early in the day, around 7 a.m. Voting started around that time. And in some of the areas, we understand things are moving very fast. And by uh, 1 o'clock, we should have, uh, or we should be close to announcing the winners. Election proper ends at 2 p.m. And we'll be here till the announcements are made for all the constituencies. So uh, this is the big issue. We've been trying to discuss this whilst just about to zoom into some other areas like the OSP and the budget approval, etc. Uh, Cletus, you had something to say? Yes, I, I just wanted to tell my brother Franklin Kujo, if he's still online, yes, he is. that uh, the CEOs, uh, CSOs and then the media that we are talking about, for instance, they should come out with a document 
to look at if you are paying TNT and feeding, they should have a cap for it. <laughs> yeah, they should have a cap for it. My mm -hmm. brother was trying to tell me that, look, uh, a thief is a thief. Mm -hmm. I told you here that democracy is expensive. It can be free. Mm -hmm. But for TNT and feeding, you must do it. Mm -hmm. If somebody even comes to you your must do it. Is it the party that must do it or the candidate must do it? Yeah, it is. The, the, the party is supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. But you see, this is what happened on election day. You have people who are coming in and they see you, oh, honorable, I'm hungry, I have no eating. So I say, okay, in order to avoid that, let me give 40 cities so that when you come, you can transport yourself and go buy something to eat. Mm. You understand? Very well. Everybody knows Jirapa. Mm. Everybody knows the villages and the transport costs coming from any village to the center where the voting takes place. So if you go and pay 300 cities, it can be transport. Mm. If you go and pay 200 cities, it can be transport. Mm. You are buying votes. That I is see. the point that I want my brother well. to understand. Let, let, let's, let's make progress. So let me, let me go to the Ashanti region. The Ashanti region has very few um, orphan constituents because it's, it's, it's the main place for the MPP, the World Bank of the MPP. Um, uh, almost all the seats, apart from two or three, uh, were won by the MPP. So we are just a few of these orphan constituencies. Uh, our Middlebury Bureau Chief, Edward Pomafu um, is in uh, one of those few constituencies. Uh, and he, he joins us live to tell us how the process um, is, 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 is going or is ongoing in the area. Hello, Edward. Welcome to The Big Issue. What can you tell us about uh, the constituency, where you are, and the region generally? Hello, Edward. Hello, Edward. Well, I don't seem to have Edward. Uh, Edward Apomaf is our Middle Belt Bureau Chief, um, and he is in the uh, Ashanti region. Um, and we are trying to touch base with him to understand from him how the region is doing. That is MPP's stronghold. And by the very definition of this contest, it's for areas which do not have sitting MPs. Many, many of the constituencies in the Ashanti region have sitting MPs because that is the MPP's base. Just about two or three of them, Jurassic, uh, Jumasi, Asawasi, and I think one other, um, have NDC MPs, which means that the MPP in those areas is in opposition. Um, and these are the areas that uh, the election is actually taking place. So, Edward Apomafo, if you can hear me, um, where exactly are you and what's happening there? Well, um, we've spoken to some of the candidates uh, in this contest, and we want to bring you some of those voices whilst we uh, work to get Ebenezer Pomafo. Ebenezer Nete, uh, we spoke to him earlier. Uh, let's hear what he's been saying.
So, uh, kindly introduce yourself to us. My name is Honorable Bizanati, the former member of Parliament for Abdukma Centre and an aspirant. Mm. Yes, so we've seen you interacting with some of your delegates. Uh, how confident are you that they are going to vote for you? I'm very confident because I've been with them for a very long time. I'm not a stranger in this constituency. Um, there are some people who came and they were disqualified. They went and they came back in eight years' time. Some people just came out a year ago. But I've been with them in this constituency for a very long time. Mm. They have seen the good work I have done in the constituency. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I know for sure that there's no doubt that they will not give their mandate again to lead this party and then reclaim the seat for the MP. Mm. Why, why are you seeking to lead the party again? Because you have done that for the very first time. And then they have... Uh, actually, uh, they, they, they didn't really uh, give you the support that you need and therefore you had to go into defeat. Uh, why do you want to lead the, 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 the party again and definitely the constituency? I lost with 204 votes. And to be honest and sincere with you, going around in the constituency, seeing things for myself, I believe strongly that where I left off as a member of parliament has become a standstill. And therefore there's a need for me to go back and reclaim the seat for the MPP for the development and the betterment of the MPP. Mm. Considering the MPP's um, uh, intention of, or, or aim to, to, to break the eight, do you think the MPP will be able to do that? I have no doubt that come on the 7th of December 2024, we are going to reclaim this seat and also break the eight for the betterment of Ghana and the betterment of the nations. Mm. So what are some of the things that you, you are considering bringing on the table to help the people of this constituency? One other thing I've told them is about youth empowerment. I've also told them about women, women empowerment and also creating jobs for the youth in the constituency. And also come and continue the good work I started in terms of infrastructure, in, in respect of education, health, and other um, things that I did during my term of work as a member of Parliament. Mm. All right, so thank you. This is the day that our party you know, has set aside for the delegates' elections for us to choose the parliamentary candidates who represent our political tradition, the new patriotic party, in the upcoming 2024 general elections. And one of the you know, candidates or the aspirant. And I've been talking to our delegates, you know, sending you know, my message of hope. They have been preaching on a message of a new energy, a new hope for the central constituency. And the kind of enthusiasm and excitement that I've seen around. I'm very confident that it's going to be a very great day today. Mm. If you say you are very confident, how confident are you to win today's elections? Well, I think the, the, my message of hope has gone down well with the people. The fact that we need an energized, vibrant young man who will be able to take the seat from you know, the NDC. Unfortunately, we had the seat in 2016, but during the 2024 elections, the NDC you know, took it away from us. But I'm very confident, looking at the enthusiasm of the people. Um, our delegates are ready you know, to elect a candidate who will you know, have the necessary resources, the necessary you know, character, the human relations, the ability, the can-do spirit. You know, in order to turn the fortunes of public and central constituency around.
All right, so uh, these were some of the candidates uh, in today's contest we've been speaking to. Let's go back to Ashanti region and speak to Elodie uh, Pomaf. We had initial challenges technically with uh, the connection, and I guess it will resolve that now. Elodie Pomaf, Bureau Chief, uh, Middle Belt, welcome to the program. And where are you? What is Ali? Can you tell us from where you are? Yes. And so, Salam, I am currently at Edra Sessions in constituency. And this is where the voting is taking place for the MPP primaries. And you know, in the Ashanti region, uh, basically the MPP has the majority of the seats, and there are just four of them that go to the, N the NDC. And so this seat is one of them, the address at the seat. And from 1992 up to this time, the MVP has won it just once. And so for, and the MVP has always been making frantic efforts to ensure that they're able to secure the seat. But it has always been very difficult for them. And so we're here and we have been trying to engage some of the MPP party members. I've spoken to the chairman, I've spoken to some aspirants, and basically they are uh, optimistic that once they do their homework well, they'll be able to uh, secure this seat. And so let me just run you through what has been happening so far. Um, some over 800 people are supposed to cast their votes here at their center. And uh, we have three persons who are in the race. Uh, there is Gifty Ndoma. Uh, she used to be the constituency secretary for this um, area. Um, in fact, she was the constituency secretary for two terms, and she is seeking to contest this seat. In fact, in the 2020 elections, she tried contesting in the primaries, but uh, they, the party leadership said they were supposed to have a non-opposed system, and so she had to withdraw from the race. But this time around, she is contesting. There's Mohammed Amin, who is a teacher within this area, is also contesting, and we have one Kingsley, um, Nana Ousu, um, who is also a contractor, and uh, he's in the race. And so it appears to be some kind of an even one for all of them because they are basically what you're looking at is they are contesting as contesting as um, parliamentary um, aspirants for the very first time. And so uh, it has been a keenly contested one. But coming here, looking at the nature of it, with the job being a hotspot and with, with the dynamics around it, as there have been a number of police officers who have been here today uh, to ensure that there is indeed uh, that some level of uh, ensuring that there is indeed some level of uh, calm over here. What they do is that they ensure that once you come here, as you can see, the long the long queue here. Once, once people get here, they check your pockets, there's a scanner, they make sure you don't check your phone to not just take a snapshot of who you're voting for. They also check your uh, pockets to ensure you don't have any uh, kind of implement on you and all that. So security over here has been extremely uh, tight and that's how it has been. But when you look at the uh, reaction of the people over here, I mean the delegates and other persons who have come in to observe. It has generally been calm as well. They are here. Basically, once someone is done, it's a barricade. And so once you vote, you can actually um, stay around the site. Then there's an area where you can actually stand and just observe the process. And that's how it's been uh, so far. People have just observing the process. There has not been any issue of some kind of disagreement or people opposing uh, what the um, officers are saying so far. And so, Salam, that's how it has been here at Hedra Session, you must say, here in the Asante region.
I see. Um, of course, you are Birochiva. I suppose you have. Um, you, you may know what's happening in the other three open constituencies, Asawasi and Co. What can you tell us about those areas? Is everything going on well, as far as you know? Uh, so, to look at the Asawasi contest, too, it's a keenly contested one between three persons who are contesting for it, uh, which uh, the process has started. And there's this. Uh, the Asawasi city, looking at the recent trend of elections, there's always been that kind of attention uh, that the MPP has put on the constituency. They're seeking to uh, win the seats uh, this time around. So that has been the situation. But uh, the party is hoping that they'll be able to get a candidate that will be able to challenge um, Mohammed Muntaka Mubarak. And so that's the situation. Away from this, uh, that's the Sawasi area too. We have the Central uh, Farm Plains area where the election is also taking place. And it's also between some other persons who are willing. Uh, that's well, for some time now. In fact, with these three areas that I've mentioned, the, the party has been making some kind of strong efforts, always during uh, the election years, you get to know that the concentration on these ones are different as compared to the usual areas that a party has been winning. So you compare to Swame, uh, Subin, Bantma and the rest. But there's always a special focus on uh, Central Franklin's, Petrasen, uh, Jumase, and uh, Asawase. And so with these areas, it is just a keen contest. Um, with the only seat that the party is not having, as looking at the uh, at the new Edubiasi seat, just one person contested. In fact, that's the George Kodro. He used to be the deputy agric minister, uh, but he lost in the 2020 elections. And in fact, that was, the MPP was winning it for a very long time because the NDC had been winning the new Edubiasi seats, but just in the 2020, uh, just in the 2016 elections, the MPP won it, but they lost it. Um, in the, 20, uh, the 2020 elections, that was George Drew. But this time around, he's going on opposing, so we're not having the elections over there. And there's another seat that we know the almighty uh, Formina seat. With Formina, traditionally, is an MPP seat. But looking at the dynamics that happened, a certain member of parliament who was um, actually an MPP member of parliament, and later had to contest as an independent candidate. So technically, it is part of the open constituencies, but the party is saying that the, oh, the formula is a special one, so uh, they are putting it on hold. So it's not part of the open constituencies. As we speak, there are just three of them. Uh, who I am at the moment, the Jurassic, the Dumasi, we have the Sawase, and we have the Trafram Place. Very well. Uh, that's quite interesting. Uh, so, I mean, what is the status of the, the formula thing now? Nobody's contesting in that area for now. Yeah, so we've been hearing that some people have expressed interest to contest against the uh, second deputy speaker, Andrew Amakrosiyama. And so that, that's uh, what we're hearing. And is it what, it's an interesting situation because technically that is not an MPP seat. But I also know that the one who has won is an, an MPP member who is even joining them in parliament. And so they actually, technically, you also not see it as an orphan seat, and so an orphan constituency. And so that has been the, uh, the dicey situation with that one. So the, it is actually not part of the ones that are being looked at uh, as, as far as the orphan constituencies in the region are concerned. All right. Uh, thanks so much. We'll, we'll come back to you again. Do let us know if there's anything happening. Thanks so much, Dr. Pomafo, our bureau chief.
for the uh, middle bell. Thanks so much. So um, now we go to uh, the Lejokuku constituency, uh, which is one of those interesting ones. It appears almost every election uh, they change MP. Uh, quite interesting. The last time it was uh, uh, the Honorable Dr. Okoboy. Uh, he lost uh, in that seat, in, in that contest, 2016, 2020, uh, to the NDC. He's seeking to come back. Um, my colleague Kennedy uh, Chumesi is there. We go to him, across to him, over to him now, to understand what is happening uh, at the Lojukuku constituency in respect of this uh, MPP parliamentary contest. Hello, Kennedy. If you can hear me, where exactly are you and what can you report? We have um, come too busy. The Kuku constituency uh, here, in, here in Accra. And where the voting is currently ongoing, um, there are three centers over here because the um, polls will end at 2 p.m. They are ensuring that they open more centers so that and by 2 p.m. everyone will, um, will cast their vote. Voting started very, very early here at um, Kamtu Basis School. In total, we had, um, they are expecting about 1,736 delegates to cast um, their vote here at um, Kamtu Basis Basis School. Three centers here, and the aspirants are four. Um, all of these aspirants are hoping to be voted um, to lead a new patriotic party um, as a parliamentary candidate in the 2024 um, general, general elections. The first person is Dr. Bernard Okoboy. Um, he is known as a front runner and because he contested in 2020 and he lost, but he contested in 2016 and he won. So he's campaigning against the slogan Sankofa. Sankofa is um, you have to be can go back against be left behind. So basically, he believes that he has um, a strong stance to come back and reclaim power for the new patriotic party here at the Ledekuku constituency. The second person is Lee Ashiti Olenu. Now what's particular, what's um, interesting about this candidate is that he's a new candidate and he has he had to renounce his UK citizenship to come um, and contest this, this particular seat for the new patriotic party here at the Ledekuku constituency. So he is campaigning on the slogan that um, on with the hashtag the new face the new face because he's new um he believes that he has the fresh ideas to bring on board to reclaim power for the NPP in 2024. The second person um, that I have even interacted with is um, Clifford. Clifford is Clifford Matic um, Pauli. He was a former vice chairman of the NPP here at the Lejikuku um, constituency. And he believes that with the grassroots behind him, because working at the, at the party office here at the Lejikuku constituency, with the grassroots behind him, he um, he knows their challenges and he is the ideal candidate to um, reclaim power for the NPP because Lejikuku constituency is known as uh, more like a swing state. They do not retain one candidate for um, and they, they do not give the nod for a candidate for a, a second term. It hardly happens. It has, it has happened before, but it hardly happens here at the Lejikuku constituency. And he believes that he's the only candidate who can do that. Um, by leading the party in the 2024 general election as the parliamentary candidate. Now, the last person is a presidential staffer, and he goes by the name Ibrahim Ejay. Ibrahim Ejay um, believes he describes, yeah, he describes himself as a catalyst for change. 
and he and he also believes that he's an engine for development. If development in the Lejikul constituency, he can champion development um, oh, to come to this constituency. Hello, Salam. Much, uh, but you know, from the look of things, it appears everything is smooth. The process is going on smoothly. There's been no confusion so far, and it appears that yes. you know very soon we will see the end of the process. Is that correct? Yes, yes. The police are here in their numbers, ensuring law and um, and order. They are ensuring so far there's been no misunderstanding. There's been nothing um, sort of a chaos here at the um, Camp Two Basic School at the Legislative Constituency. Everything is in order. They are voting in peace. There's no chaos and there's nothing um, that um, anyone should worry about in terms of um, violence erupting. Everything is at, um, is at ease here at Camp Two Basic School at Teshi. Have you seen any of the candidates around? Have you interacted with any of them? Yes, I've, um, I've cited Dr. Um, Clifford. Um, Clifford Mate Corley. He was a former constituency vice chairman of the NPP here at Legokuku constituency. I've interacted with him and he believes that having the grassroots behind him and working as an executive, he knows the ideal challenges of um, um, the delegates here at um, Legokuku and he believes that he can, he, he can reclaim power for the 2024 um, general elections for the NPP here at Lejikuku. I've also cited the presidential staffer, who is also an aspirant, Ibrahim Ejay. For him, he um, says he's bringing in the, the useful energy into the constituency. He describes himself as a catalyst for change. And he also he believes that he's the engine for development for the Lejikuku constituency. But he uh, has denied to speak to the media for now. He is still engaging the delegates and he has promised to speak to me right afterwards. Aside these two, um, Dr. Bernardo Koboy has not yet come um, to the ground and Neil Ashite Olenu, who had to renounce his UK citizenship to come and contest this particular seat, has also um, not been here. So basically, this is the situation on the ground. Salam. All right. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Kennedy Chumesi, my colleague at the, I mean, reporting from the Lejokuku constituency. That's an interesting one to watch. Uh, Ibrahim Ejei um, is there. It's a presidential uh, staffer. Clifford Marty, a party boy, former executive of the party contesting as well. Ni Ashite Olenu, uh, he had to renounce his UK citizenship to do this. He should really uh, be serious about this. <laughs> He doesn't want any problem as the uh, as enough MP is having. And also, uh, Dr. Okoboy, he has been at it before, uh, and the current chief executive officer of the National Health Insurance Authority, and he wants to go at it again. And it will be an interesting one to watch, given the peculiar uh, history of that constituency, where they hardly uh, retain candidates. Uh, let's see how... Uh, that goes. This is a big issue. We want to go to the voter region quickly and then see what's happening there. But in the meantime, I mean, this is where we have. Uh, Sami, um, so far, what's been your impressions? So far, so good. Lejokuku, uh, I don't know why the, the only new man wants to renounce his UK citizenship. But why not? He's Ghanaian. He no, believes in the, co I, in the, in I, the I cause the of party, Ghana. I, I spoke to the national organizer of the party, Nanabi, on this same matter. Mm -hmm. And what he told me was that the party had come up with a regulation that you do not, if you are owing citizenship to another country, you will not renounce it until the primaries is over. Mm. If you win, if you win, 
then you go and do what you are supposed to do. But if you are now going through the process, you can still hold your citizenship with any other country, but only renounce it when you win. I think that will go against him in the election. People will say he's not a Ghanaian. No, but, he but, will but, come and but, do this. But no, even now, he's now going to the opposite. He has not even won yet. Yes, but if it will and go he, against why, why him in the primaries, I mean, people will say this man, he doesn't live here. He's not this. He it, really, it really doesn't make sense. If it depends on the local really, politics. Really, and he, he's Ghanaian first. That, he decides that he wants to renounce. He wants to be fully Ghanaian now. That's fine. That's it shows true, how committed he is. Is well, it a campaign message? It's, well, I'll well, give up this well, for you. So vote for me. Well, I'm sure he'll. Well, maybe he'll. You want to say he will regret? Yeah, he will. Why will he regret? He's Ghanaian. He is. And he's coming back home. You're saying that he'll regret for coming back home. But believe you me, I am not sure he's going to win this primary. No, but he's come home fully. He's come home fine. Fully. But then what happened? You have a life after politics. After the election, you still have your life. So you now you have renounced your UK citizenship. They, say, they didn't mention his age. No, they didn't mention his age. Because if so. he's very retired, mm. he loses his No, he's a young man. I've seen his billboards. When, when you're entering Teshi, mm. he has a huge billboard. He looks relatively young. Mm. So, no, but I, I don't see well, your, I don't, I, I don't see your worry. He's Ghanaian. He believes in in the cause of Ghana. <laughs> He's been somewhere. He wants to come back home that, and contribute. Bold, that's a bold he decision. No if you ask me, yes, he wants to him. come back to Ghana if, and, if, and if help. That's, us. If that's the intention, free and fair. Yes, that's know, why that. he's running. That's the intention. If really. that's the intention, free and fair. <laughs> but it's going to be a very keenly contested one. Yes. Ibrahim Ajay, um, he works at the Jubilee Right, he's been quite quiet. Yeah. I mean, I've not heard much of him. He was one of the leading or even the founding member of the Let My Vote Count Alliance. Yes. If you remember, you know, he was he was very, a very, very prominent voice actor. when it comes to a serious actor within the political space of the MPP. Um, he's at the Jubilee. He's now the assistant, the personal assistant to the second secretary to the president, Asante Bide. I think this will be his second time contesting the Lejikul constituency against Okoboy. He did in the previous election to Okoboy. I'm really interested in knowing how this pans out because Okoboy, yeah. to me, appears like a very strong candidate. Mm -hmm. I don't know the local politics yet, but he comes across as a very strong candidate. To have three or so people contesting yeah. him, I mean, that, that should be interesting. Uh, um, Nana, um, I don't know what to make of it so far. Uh, I mean, the, the, the citizenship. I was telling my brother you know, that I'm really impressed with, with uh, your reporters. Mm. I think they've done a wonderful job of drawing. You know, they've given us very clear pictures about what's going on, and Thank I you. think uh, they've done a good job with that. Um, all the reports give us a good feeling. Ultimately, whoever gets elected has been elected. Mm. <laughs> you know, you might have your choices, blah, 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 but whoever gets elected gets elected. The primary thing is that we should go through this day, and I believe what, the, the, the estimation is that by 2 o'clock, it yeah. should all be over. Um, so that's where, hopefully, by 2 p.m., um, our war chest of uh, 100 and what? 111. 111 11. Arsenal pieces will be put together. <laughs> and not Arsenal, the team, trust me. Uh, Arsenal, the team is playing Wolves uh, this afternoon. I hope Wolves deal with them. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Wolves. Wolves will run with their tails in between their legs. Wolves will run with their tails in between their legs. You know Wolves Alex. played us in the city? Yes, yes. I think they beat you. Oh, yeah. I beat didn't you. Quite. Use your they, they, they own words. I don't want to use beat. They, they played us and uh, you know, <laughs> got away with murder. No, but um, yeah, so I think that uh, at the end of the day, the MPP will be the stronger mm -hmm. because we would have sealed the uh, you could consider the second a portion of the second major step so you could say this the presidential primaries was mm -hmm. step 1a and 1b and now we've gone to step 2a 
which is getting the uh, Our best step to be will, will be the place to watch really because this be, is where the MPs yes, are proper. Very true, and I agree with you on that. Um, I have two two people I could mention. Mm. Uh, the others who I support I can mention because in some cases they have two 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 friends. You know when it gets to when you are within yourself, it's more about your friendship than even the capacity of the person. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so for me, Nana Kwame Furinti, I'm still trying to find the name of his constituencies mm -hmm. in the central region, I believe. And then uh, uh, Gideon Gruma mm -hmm. is up in Nalerugu. Okay. Yes, so I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I'm looking forward to... Do you have a view on, 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 on what's the name of the gentleman? Um, the the this well, I, I, hold the, I hold the position that you do. He must have known and weighed all the odds. Uh, and uh, you probably still know the, the regulation that says that, don't worry about it. Uh, there must be something. Um, I never, I always give the benefit of the doubt until something else shows up, you know. So uh, we wish him well. It's, it's a bold step. And if it's a winning message, then he's lucky. If it doesn't count, uh, he should uh, prepare for that. Mm. I'm not going to say he, he, because it's as if I know he won't win, or, and I don't know that. Mm. So, but whichever way it is, on this matter of um, citizenship uh, and how we should handle ourselves in our politics, I think there's a certain demand for commitment that Ghanaians must make. You must show commitment. Unfortunately, I don't know whether our political space is fair to somebody like him. Because the argument about, look, I've committed myself to you, this is what I've done, it should resonate. Whether it should win a vote is another matter, but it should resonate, it should be good rationale for considering people. Uh, but I don't think, if we were talking about monetization, and we believe that it has a certain effect on, on voting, some people don't believe it has an effect on voting. As in some instances, you're able to prove it. But in other instances, you're not sure whether the money influenced or not. So how does one now commit themselves by giving up uh, an, a socio-economic socio uh, advantage, which is what it is, to come and uh, do politics and mm -hmm. then they don't know where they'll stand. But I always find people like that very respectable. Uh, you know, and deserve credit credit for, for that action. Mm. I think so. I see. Great. Um, yes, report so far, uh, you know, uh, especially very interesting constituency and, and all of that we're seeing now. So far, so good, uh, Salom. I, I want to reiterate the fact that parliamentary primaries is, is what wins elections for any political party. Mm. And any party that takes parliamentary primaries very seriously will always have upper hand mm -hmm. over the other. Because you have is the parliamentary candidates that actually campaign for the flag yeah. bearer to win. Because and that's the difficulty independent candidates have had. Independent flag bearer or presidential candidates have had because they do not have they don't the have machinery or the, the base to, to work for them. So for me, any party that takes parliamentary primaries very seriously, if you are able to organize your parliamentary elections, electing the right people, solving all the confusions within your party, I can assure you that that party would win the next elections. Mm. So that is why the NDC took the lead 
to, to they say the early bird catches the worm. The worm. Mm -hmm. So we are in opposition. We've taken the lead. We are miles away, miles ahead of the MPP mm -hmm. in terms of party reorganization. We are miles ahead of them. They know that. And I can assure you that what we have done so far now is what we call reconciliation. Mm -hmm. We are people, you see, naturally, when someone loses elections, the person is bitter. Yes. It's a natural thing. So as time goes on, the anger dies down. The pain dies down. There's no one that will lose elections and won't feel it because you go into an election to win. You might have spent wasted time, energy, resources, commitment. Look at somebody who has who had to denounce a citizenship, UK citizen. People want to go to UK. People want to you go to UK just even on a visit. People want to have working visa to go and work a few months and come back. Somebody is denouncing his UK citizenship just to be a parliamentary candidate. Assuming such a person fails his bit to become the parliamentary candidate, mm. his loss, this huge loss to him, his family, and everybody. You understand? So for me, it's very, very important, very, very crucial that any party that takes parliamentary primacy seriously is miles ahead in winning the 2024 election. Flag bearer will come to your constituency just probably a day and he's gone. Mm -hmm. It behoves on the PC or the incumbent MP for that matter to you know do the background work or do all the ground the grounds work for the flag bearer mm. so it's so important and that is why in the fourth republic you have no flag bearer has won presidential elections in this country with minority mm -hmm. no flag bearer president rollis had my majority claim majority in 92 96 president kufour won the MP, MPs, the MPP, MPs, they got more seats, you know, in 2000 elections, and that may pave the way for President Kufour to win. In 2004, it repeated. Professor Mills came, he won parliament, then eventually won the elections. So it tells any party, any party that plays with parliamentary elections, you are just playing a game. You are doing that at your own peril. So for me, it's so important that every party, okay, enough, let me go back to okay, six candidates contesting, six candidates. Look, the only way, the only way that the MPP can be stronger in okay, North is if out of the six, one is able to win a little, win these primaries Big with time. over a little over 50 percent, you know, 50 heading 60 percent. That can make the party stronger. But if any of them, if the person win by 40%, it's a problem. It's a problem. They should know that even though it is a traditional seat for the MPP, the NDC broke that record in the 2020 election with the venerable MP Teresa Ladi Awuni. Mm -hmm. Teresa Ladi Awuni is a grassroots politician. She's been a woman organizer for the area for many years, over 12 years if mm. my memory can serve me right. So she knows the nitty-gritties of the constituency. She knows where to go get the votes. So she's not somebody that anybody can write off in the 2024 elections. So the MPP should come well, but I can tell you that she's well prepared. She's well, yesterday I saw her in the constituency organizing gala, football games and all of that. She doesn't rest. For that one, I can wish the MPP well, but I can tell what is likely to emerge as a result of, par particularly, you have a candidate coming from 
Akropon, why is she coming? Those answers have not been given. Mm -hmm. So if yeah. So if Nana if if you have you if you have a candidate, <laughs> if you have a candidate, yeah, I know. So <laughs> but unusual. we too we pay a price for it. Mm -hmm. well, any party as that as does that, you pay a price for it because eventually, if such a candidate wins, then. You have your, your 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 party also did so far. Kwaku also left. Yeah, but you saw she paid a price. She she, she yeah. didn't work for her. Yeah. Uh -huh. Even if no. she had won, but she would have. It would have been so difficult yeah. to you understand. Yeah. That is my opinion, objectively, because mostly people will not understand. If you actually love the people within that constituency, why did you why yeah. did you yeah. go to start from another yeah. constituency? You know, so it's so difficult. So for me. Okaiku North oh, is a constituency to watch. The candidate that should win there should win by close to 60%. That can let the party probably do a bit of you know, reconciliation to help the candidate campaign. But I don't see it happening, though. I don't see it happening. But parliamentary primaries, very, very important. It, it helps the flag bearer. Any flag bearer who takes parliamentary candidates lightly who don't support parliamentary candidates, you cannot win the yeah. ultimate. You cannot win. So any party, that is why our party, we took the steps early. We said, look, let's do early primaries. And we went for it. And we are, we are, we are, we are settled. We have settled now. People who contested were bitter. All of them are coming home now. They are all coming on board to support. So that is, you know, the way the NDC took it. Yeah. And, and like I said, you can't win flag bearer or you can't win the presidency without first winning parliament. It's mm -hmm. not possible. Even the 2020, that was so close, so close. But you saw that the MPP came closer. Nanado won because the, he won the president. What is it? He won parliament. He won parliament. Yeah, mm -hmm. the independent man did a trick for them. Mm -hmm. That gave him the upper hand over the NDC. Mm -hmm. So parliamentary primaries, no one should take it for granted. So, so I, I don't know if that, uh, to go back to all of that. So it means the 2020 election petition and all of that, I mean, we knew the way, but we still had to go to court and, and do all of that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Salam, it's, it's another, 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 Whistle and oh. said that you are foul. Mm. I have to hollow against you. But that was an error. Then you said, no, we, we can't take it as an error. But we cannot but take it as an error. We cannot take it. But if you look at the calculations, we can't take it. The calculations will point to something else yeah. from what he has. So that was a clerical error, more or less. But that's another discussion. It's another discussion. Uh, uh, we can look at that later. So we went to court on the basis of results declared by Jim Mensa. I don't know why my brother likes to invite us to dinner. He cooks the soup and over salts it so that only he can drink it. <laughs> I mean, some of these things that you were saying, like what you just pointed to, is a contradiction in terms. Mm -hmm. That's the point you're making. But he made a nice analysis, though. And then contradicted in the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't contradict. You did. contradict. No, you did. That's why he asked you. That's why he asked you the question he asked you. So it's, it's, it's strange. And then I don't know why he's bothering himself with these arguments about people who are switching constituencies and stuff like that. Didn't uh, our brother, the later Jaco, switch from one constituency to the other? I mean, why? Why are you creating a muddy situation for yourself? These uh, analyses, you can't tell what's going on on the ground if you don't know 
the constituency. Mm. Every constituency has its But I think he did say that Karen peculiarity. Akoku, Karen Akoku yeah. suffered for it. He had to point it to yes. out to you, 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 you pay and price I'm for saying, it. Yeah, and so I'm saying that you are not clear what's happening. Mm. Uh, uh, what you had raised earlier was that maybe it would have been interesting to hear from Nana Dukia on why she switched uh, constituencies. But the fact that she's moving to another doesn't say no or yes to me. I mean, the, the law allows her to do that, yeah. too. That's one. Two, there must be another measure. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would be uh, a bit uh, strange on her part to just up and go there. There must be a measure. So, for me, I don't know why I you... Have you seen the might of Samir Wuku? She felt that once Samir Wuku was coming... Whatever was the calculation is, for me, the thing is, you don't create a situation... I'm looking at his analysis. Mm. You don't create a situation that you can't justify. Mm. It's happened before in other places. And then mm. the final one, he says they are more organized than we are. That's fine. We'll see that in December. That's all. There's nothing yes. else to talk about. All right. Uh, I frankly, said we are miles uh, ahead of you. Uh, uh, Frank, let me go to Ho. Let me go to Ho and come back. All right. So um, my colleague Benjamin Aklama is at Ho Central. Um, Benjamin, uh, okay. um, if, if you are there, uh, kindly tell us exactly where this is happening and what, what can you report. The voter region appears uh, like the place with most of the or the region which has the highest in terms of percentage of seats that are orphaned uh, a few of those seats will not be contesting to the running today for some reason i don't know the party gave a list but what can you tell us about what is happening at host central and the voter region in general in respect of today's uh, elections indeed uh, so, uh, the voter and hotel regions combined have uh, 26 parliamentary seats out of which one uh, is occupied by uh, an MPP candidate, which is uh, the Hohwe uh, constituency being occupied by Honorable John Peter Ambeu. Aside that, all the other constituencies are being held uh, by the NDC in Parliament. And uh, I'm currently speaking from uh, the whole central constituency, where about uh, 1,291 uh, voters are expected to elect uh, a candidate to represent the MPP in the uh, forthcoming uh, 2024 general elections. There are two candidates, uh, Divine Boston, who is uh, the MCE for the whole, whole municipality. And uh, he's also been the regional organizer for the MPP in the, in the region. He's been the NADMO director. Uh, he's played a number of roles in the party in the past. And he's been keenly contested by uh, Honorable Millicent Nana Yasuku, uh, who's been a nurse and, and has been very involved in, in the party uh, for quite a long time. So. Uh, the numbers are out here, uh, uh, as you could see in, in the shots, uh, going to cast their ballots to determine who represents uh, the NPP uh, come 2024. Now, let me move quickly to Agotima Ziofi, which is uh, just about a few minutes away from the whole central constituency. And Salam, I must mention that this is um, about the first time we are seeing this kind of enthusiasm around uh, parliamentary primaries of the NPP in the Volta region historically. Uh, it's been uh, merely by endorsements, mostly one candidate contest, contest and uh, you just have a, a simple endorsement of those candidates. Uh, things are changing up a little bit in the region, and I am sure that anybody, any political watcher can, can uh, tell that from the numbers that the MPP got in the region in, in the past elections, the 2020 general elections, you could tell that the interest is picking up uh, for uh, people who are interested in the MPP in the, in the region, and so there's quite some interest in the uh, parliamentary primaries in, in the region this time. So let me move to Agotima Ziofi, where there are 402 people expected to cast their ballots, and uh, there are two candidates there as well. Seth Kentelagbubli, 
has been a member of uh, the Agotim Ethiopia Assembly for, for uh, two times, and uh, he's served on a number of committees within the Assembly, and he's seeking now to represent the people in Parliament on the ticket of the NPP. Uh, he's, he's also the secretary of the NPP in the constituency. Now, interestingly, his deputy secretary is also contesting him. Uh, he works with the ECG, it's called Adam Doe, and he's also contesting him. So the two secretaries are, are seeking uh, the, the opportunity to represent the people of Agotim in Parliament on the ticket of uh, the, the NPP. Now, let me take you to Sal, which we all know has become a very interesting area because of uh, the unfortunate incident in which they are not being represented in Parliament uh, within the, car the current Parliament. Now, there are three people contesting that virgin uh, uh, seat to, to, to represent uh, uh, the, the people of the area on the ticket of the NPP. One of them is Obo Abido uh, MFA, Obo Adibo, rather, MFA. She is uh, the, the DC uh, for the area and has also been a regional executive for the party and is telling the people that uh, she knows the job is a virgin uh, ground and she thinks that she's the best candidate to whip up the interest, uh, to bring investment to the area and also to, to get a, the, the place to, to gain uh, uh, traction. Be, she's also being contested keenly by Michael Osibo and uh, Richard Ofori. Uh, in the Buem constituency, there is no election at all because uh, it's just one candidate contesting, and so it's, it's, it's a general endorsement, as it has been in many other areas in the past. So, Salom, that's a brief overview of uh, the primaries going on in the Volta region. Benjamin, that, that's so comprehensive. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, when it comes to the Volta region and OT regions, uh, I mean, that's the, the most difficult part for the MPP across the country. And so we can understand why almost all the constituencies, save one, uh, is, is, is having to, all the others are having to go through this process. Uh, thank you so much. We'll come back to you again in due course. Thank you so much. We also understand that there's some confusion at, um, at Adenta. Adenta is one of those constituencies as well we are keeping an eye on. About four or so candidates are contesting to lead a party in those areas, in, those er in that area. Uh, the MP for the area, Ramadan, uh, won again on the ticket of the NDC, for the NDC, so he's the incumbent for the NDC, and he'll be going again in 2024. That area has also had some history, just like Lejukuku. They, they hardly retain uh, um, MPs, and Ramadan is bent to break the four. In this case, to be breaking the four. He's bent to break, to, he wants to break the four, and he's having uh, some competition from the MPP in respect of that. A few other people, some people, uh, Kozi, Ozi Kozi, uh, known as Akosia Samenu. Uh, there's one person called Homeboy, and a few others. I drive through, in fact, I live in that constituency, and I drive through the busiest part of the constituency every day. So I see the billboards and posters around. Uh, that is a contest we, we are actually interested in. Uh, so let's look at the confusion that occurred a couple of minutes ago, and then we'll do an interview on that.
All right, uh, my our reporter, Bevelyn London, is, is there. Bevelyn, um, what can you report? What's the cause of this confusion? Um, hello, Salom. Um, currently, the cause of the confusion is still not clear. Um, the process was generally smooth in the morning, but then a few minutes ago, we heard people screaming and shouting. We saw people carry um, plastic chairs and started attacking um, one another. We, people were hailing stones at a point we had to run for safety. And so it was a whole mess, actually, a few minutes ago. So the police officers came in, tried to calm the situation. One person was even hurt. We could see blood dripping on this person's face. So the police carried him quickly and then drove him out of here. Now, currently, they have um, deployed more police officers to come to this area. The Greater Courage Now Chairman, um, Divine Awam, is currently on the ground. I just saw um, Mr. Justin Kudya, the General Secretary of the NPP, also coming to come and get information on what really is happening. Um, and as not one person has been really beaten, but um, we don't know the person's identity. Uh, the name going around is double, but I'm not sure who um, this person exactly is. And so this information that we are picking, a lot of um, tension or anxiety is really going around at, um, at this moment and at this point. And so we are, we are, we are, we are, we are going to try and then speak to um, the, um, the Greater Courage Now Chairman to see what information he can share with us. I approached him. But he said he had to gather information and then he will um, speak to me later. And I also try and see if uh, Mr. Kodia would also want to grant an interview on what the situation really is and what really caused um, 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 the, the fighting and the, the, the confusion. All right. Bevelyn, uh, um, thanks so much. We appreciate that the situation is quite fluid. So we will leave you to fish out or get some more information and we'll talk again. Thanks so much. Keep sure. safe. Keep your eyes on the ball and get back to us soon. Thanks so much, Bevelyn London. It's our reporter at Adenta. Some confusion occurred there. It's not clear what triggered that confusion. Bevelyn says it's not really clear. She will get some more information and get back to us. But what is clear is that there was some confusion there. People carry chairs, etc., around. Bevelyn reports that uh, somebody was head blood oozing all over. Police taking the person away, hopefully to the hospital, whilst they hope to address the matter. We will fish out and get to you for you what the real cause of that confusion is. Let me take Martin's view, then we we'll switch to uh, substantive issues, which, which I'm very eager to do. Um, hello, Martin, um, um, uh, Franklin. I, <laughs> hello, Franklin. Uh, uh, yes, so what's your, your view so far on what you've seen? We've seen Adenta, some difficulty there. We've seen Okanque North, some uh, uh, one or two things there. So, and other places, generally smooth and, and all of that. The stakes, you know, Lejokuku, all that we've said. Uh, what, what can you say? Well, I was going to say that you're asking a man who is not, is not represented by anybody in parliament to be commenting on the, the process that is supposed yeah, to be stick with that, uh, uh, Frankly, no. stick with yes. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just yes, 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 yes. I couldn't believe it that, uh, I mean, this party, the MPP, and to, to especially uh, did not really pay much interest in Sal at all, actually did nothing. The president did nothing. The vice president did nothing. Members of parliament did nothing. And the, but for a large part of the country, uh, actually did nothing. And I'm really, really saddened that uh, we, in this 21st century, we could have a whole constituency of people uh, who have not committed a 
not to be disrespected at all. And my worry, very even very even those even those people who are standing now, I'm not too sure whether they may even be representing Sal in the next parliament because you see, that parliament needs to be dissolved for a new one. Before I, I may be getting it wrong, but I think clearly they should be careful until the Sal issue is properly determined. And I think on December 21st or so, uh, there's so, supposed to be a court ruling in Poe to give finality to the Hokawai constituency matter. Otherwise, all those people preparing to become MPs themselves may be shocked. I think that matter ought to be really visited properly before any party thinks of representing, sending candidates to represent them, them anyway. Well, so what can I say? I think it's uh, it was orderly until we had those uh, issues around. Is it Adenta, by the way? Um, otherwise, that's just a process. It should it should happen without any problems at all. Mm. Very well. Um, so we take a short break. Uh, thanks, uh, Franklin. We take a short break. We'll return, and then we will deal with the matters of uh, the OSP and whether he's lamenting or he's just pointing out one or two things he thinks are not going well for him. Uh, this is the big issue. We'll be right back. Yeah, welcome back to the big issue. Uh, we are covering the MPP primaries at the parliamentary level in the orphan constituencies, meaning constituencies without NPP MPs. They call them orphan constituencies. Um, so we, we are doing that. But we want to discuss uh, one of the substantive issues uh, we, we, we advertise, which is uh, the matter of the Office of the Special Prosecutor. The Special Prosecutor this week held a press conference uh, to point out a few things. I don't know whether to call them lamentations or just pointing out a few things he felt were not uh, helping his office. Uh, key amongst those things he raised had to do with uh, how the, he thinks the judiciary is dealing with matters before them from the office of the special prosecutor. He thinks that the system is not helping him much. Uh, that's, that's a matter of subject to debate, uh, but we'll look at that. So let's hear the special prosecutor uh, lay out his points as, as he did on the day of the press conference. During a press conference, Ajabin highlighted instances such as the dismissal of an arrest warrant against Charles Bissou, the rejection of confirmation and seizure orders against Cecilia Dapa, and the recent decision affecting the Labianca case involving former Custom Division Commissioner Kenel Kujo Damwa. Ajabin warns of potential consequences if this trend persists. There appears to be a developing trend of rather regressive and dismissive judicial decisions in respect of cases involving the OSP with troubling consequences. And it seems to us that a careful examination of these outcomes portends a disturbing specter that the fight against corruption is being hampered to the disbenefit of us all. The special prosecutor discloses ongoing corruption risk assessments related to the government payroll, sale of state lands and the Tema Oil Refinery and Tema Energy and Processing Limited deal. The Controller and Accountant General's Department is actively collaborating with the OSP on this investigation and assessment. Indeed, a joint project team of selected staff of the two institutions has been formed. The investigation and assessment will cover all banks and employees on government payroll. The exercise will be carried out in two phases. Phase one will cover Ghana Education Service and the health institutions. Phase two 
will then cover all other metropolitan, municipal, district assemblies, ministries, departments, and agencies. He provides an update on the establishment staff indicating that the anti-graft body now has the full complement as anticipated by the act, albeit delayed. We moved the office here in September 2021 and we have been fitting it up and retrofitting it for purpose, inch by inch. Then again, from a situation of a single person on the payroll of the office, when I assumed this position, I am proud to announce that the office now has its full establishment staff of 249. This recruitment drive is four years behind schedule. However, we are excited that we have our full complement of the foundation staff seated now. The special prosecutor notes that investigations into Cecilia Dapes affairs are ongoing with certain aspects related to money laundering falling outside the office's jurisdiction, prompting collaborations with relevant state organizations. We have had the benefit of five months of investigation and the circumstances of the case are clearer to us. The investigation appears to show that parts of the case are in the province of money laundering and structuring. The OSP does not have a direct mandate in respect of money laundering. Therefore, the office will be inviting in law enforcement agencies that have a direct money laundering mandate for collaborative work in respect of those parts of the case. And as we all... All right, so that's the special prosecutor, um, Kisi Jamin, uh, young man occupying very huge office, uh, literally and figuratively. And he appears to be having some difficulties. He thinks that he is not getting the support he needs. But really, uh, what kind of support should we be giving him? What does it mean? Does it mean that if the special prosecutor, because we want to fight corruption, takes a matter to court, the court should listen to him and pass him? What really uh, is he complaining about? Let me speak to Franklin Kujo. Uh, Franklin has been one of those, or Imani, which Franklin heads, has been one of those uh, CSO organizations supporting the work of the uh, OSP and other anti-graft uh, agencies. And surely, uh, I'm sure he has a view on this matter. Franklin, uh, were you surprised by the press conference called by the uh, office of the special prosecutor addressed by the SP himself and the matters that he, he, he sought to put out? Well, I wasn't entirely surprised, really. Uh, let's not forget that Mr. Kisajabin is also a lawyer and has been practicing for quite a number of years. So he probably knows the terrain probably much better than we lay persons. And so I'm not ready to quickly dismiss his, uh, his claims, in spite of the fact that people do say, and indeed I've heard you also ask the question, why shouldn't he use the lay down processes to, 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 as it is, to um, go through the entire process so that whatever he's dealing with would be, would be solved at some point, right? Uh, but I think that he probably knows the terrain better than most of us. And by the way, He's also building on a legacy left by the former OSP who left office, complaining of something similar, if not much more uh, difficult, because he's, I mean, the former OSP's challenges had to do with executive interference. 
And if it is the case that Jobin is now saying that his interference is not with the executive, uh, but partially, well, but mostly with some elements of the judiciary, well, who am I to dismiss his claims? You understand? Which me, essentially tells me one thing, that what he is fighting, as Vice President Bormia has described as fighting principalities and demons, and you know when you're fighting principalities and demons, you just don't use the Bible. <laughs> you probably need some other, you probably need some other uh, accoutrement as well. And you must, do, you must do fasting and prayers. You don't just go with, 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 with emptiness. Uh, well, exactly. Probably fast more than Jesus did. Because our pieces are special. And, uh, and as it is, you must be... So, so I'm not... I, I can't just wake up and dismiss it immediately. I must admit that, yes, he may have faltered a few, uh, a few steps along the way. But that was expected, really. And uh, so for me, I think what he's describing is just... It's, it's a symptom of what is called this maladministration... Um, you know, this canker of corruption, which has long legs. It's like, it's like an octopus ring. I mean, if you want to chop up a gangrene part of the octopus, and then the other part gets healed quickly, and then start grabbing you. So it's a very difficult environment that terrain is actually dealing with. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't envy him and his uh, workers at all. I must also say, though, that he should stay focused, as it is, as he, as he, as he did say, that is dealing with some other matters as well, crucial matters, one of which has to do with the toy, which we were happy to actually uh, uh, support in terms of research and uh, advice. Um, he should continue dealing with those matters as they can, but he needs support. I think he's coming to the public is to cry for support. And I think that's what we should be really listening to, rather than dismiss him entirely. Having said that, though, you know, Imani published a paper, I think, in 2017, after we did some work on how the Office of Special, uh, the Office of Government Machinery runs. We took a long aim, did some analysis pre uh, the current administration, all the way to the Mills administration, and found out that that office consistently was running budgets, having budget overruns, and sometimes 300, 400 percent, right? So we advised that you see to fight corruption. Charity must begin at home. That the presidency should be the hub, should be the place where this corruption must fight must start. If he's able to get the hold on his ministers and get the hold on the things that happen at the Office of Government Machinery, what happens is that it has a chilling effect on everybody else acting. But if that office is seen to be just allowed to spend and spend and without any let of hindrance, then it sends bad signals to everybody else who will do whatever they want. Uh, are we surprised that, well, if you look at the Office of Government Machinery, I think the MDC, MPP, after coming to office, almost doubled it from Bahama days and then normalized it in the budget. So you can't, you, you see, what they did essentially was that so after, after doubling it in 2017, 2017 or 2018, there were this. Um, what they did further was that they now ballooned it in such a way that it was accommodated for in the budget. So they didn't estimate lower so that you can come and accuse them of, you know, <laughs> running budget overruns. No. So they normalized it. And that is where, unfortunately, most of the problems the MPP is having today in terms of some of the more administration regarding uh, procurement is coming from. Look at those ministries that were handling much of the budget. That's, was it the Ministry of Special uh, Initiative, which yes. has been disbanded? Yes, special, de development, special initiatives. Yeah. initiatives. How are yes, ministry? That, that office had the most funds 
and wasted as much as well. All this one village, one town things were not ambulance, effective. Ambulance and all of that. Special, special focus. Jesus Christ. And I've met a lot of con contractors who have complained to me that they work and they don't even know where their certificates really are. Apart from shortly work being done and some of the projects being overvalued, um, it was just, uh, it was the, it was the, how can I, how can I describe this? It was actually the home for um, very bad procurements and all the problems that the, the, the current MPP is having when it comes to projects that have not been delivered in terms of value. In spite of the fact that the vice president even held a value for money summit, I remember he did that, he invited some of us and we told him, look, this value for money thing you're talking about must start from the office of the presidency. But that's where all the most wasteful enterprises have been backed. Little surprise that that office, that ministry was disbanded, but its ghosts, its uh, offerings are still, um, have, I think they still have places in the office of government machinery, really. So if that had happened, I'm saying that leadership would have permeated through, and then uh, the OS will not be fighting people who believe that they can do anything they want because nobody can call them to order. You know, so um, having said that, if I we added in that, in that 2017 report that, look, we think that the Office of Special Prosecutor is going to have a problem because, you see, fighting corruption, especially the political kind, uh, means that you are going to face people with deep pockets, in spite of the fact that they, they, would, they would also use the processes, court processes, to delay the matters, appeals and judgments and all the the dodgy things that happens at court, in court. Um, it was going to be crazy. So by the time you were even recovering the monies, um, the money would have lost its value, would have spent so much doing investigations and wasting everybody's time, which is why we think that going forward, the presidency should be the hub from which this battle is fought and from where leadership will come in. Anything else, we are just wasting our time, really. I see, but frankly, I see civil society organizations try to support the work of the Office of the Special Prosecutor. Indeed, given the canker and how prevalent it's been in our society, that is to be expected. Talk to me about how you think the media has reported its work. Of course, I've seen TV programs oh, or media personalities sometimes take on the yeah. Office of the Special Prosecutor and the person of the Special Prosecutor himself. I don't know what, whether you think that we should we should hold him in a certain way, as in beyond, it should be beyond blame, or we should be circumspect in how we criticize him and his work. But talk to him about how the media should be approaching his work, how we even report it, the headlines we give when he goes to court and things don't turn out the way he expects. How should it be? The media must report what it is. But should we say because he's the office of the special prosecutor, we have to be a bit circumspect and use certain words to describe the office simply because we all want to root out corruption. How should we do that? Well, I was going to say that in a free speech environment, all manner of criticisms is allowed or are allowed, really. And I wouldn't really bother too much to look at the motivations for which some of these persons write those dastardly headlines anyway. Uh, but having said that, I think that it is important that if they were even reporting the facts, you know, nobody will get worried. But if we twist the facts and then make it look as if this man is on a mission just to for, for self and not necessarily for country, uh, it becomes difficult to, you know, to comprehend. So for me, my short answer is that 
I wouldn't force anybody. In fact, I'll defend anybody, including the media people, to have a view on whatever work anybody does, as long as the public purse is involved. Having said that, though, they must be fair, balanced, and even if they want to pepper it a bit, they must do so in all honesty and be guided by good conscience. I don't think it is fair to be describing having those headlines. Some very uneducated headlines, by the way, OSP beating, OSP, something like that, to that effect. Um, then you become a tabloid, and then you do not really a serious journalist or a media house, really. So for me, um, that's what I've got to say. Otherwise, I'll defend anybody at all who has a view about the Office of Special Prosecutor's work. Having said that, though, the media, while doing this, by the way, the reason why I say that they must come to the table with some, you know, elevated facts and uh, reasoned research is that what we are dealing with is not necessarily going to be in your to the benefit of Mr. Jaben alone, you know? That's not what's going to happen. What is going to happen is that if he's able to succeed, and I pray he does succeed, having laid down uh, my earlier um, reservations as to why he may not do so in full, um, it is important to realize that, look, how much we lose through procurement and spite corruption and both is staggering. You know, I told you the last time that Imani conducted uh, a review of about 1,000 procurement contracts in this country, and 70% of them did not pass the process for which we've established for ourselves at all. So if anybody is going to critique somebody who is doing some work in order to, you know, embedding all of us of this evil, this escalating evil, amorphous evil, then what we should really be doing is to be encouraging the person, even if you want to criticize the person, we should do so in all fairness and in some form of balance, reason arguments and educated relevance, really. I mean, otherwise, anything else that you do, um, you become a tabloid and you may not be taken serious. So all those newspaper headlines, those media houses that believe that they have a, they have a voice, and they do have a voice. I respect them, by the way, as I said already, but they must come to the table. So, you know, they should make it titillating for some of us who want to, who are always suffering for reason arguments and reason debates. You know, sometimes it's just sad. You, you want to listen to the news or watch certain programs. Sometimes I just, you know, I probably just watch some other programs in CTFM. But CTFM and CTT would never do those things. Anyway, thank you. All right, maybe, maybe just another one. You, you think, I mean, so you, you're a lay person, but very educated lay person, let me say it that way. When you, when you hear uh, what happens in court, sends a number of applications to the court, and all of those have been thrown out and all of that, you, you, you think the judiciary could be nicer to him, or you think Kisi Jabin is actually expecting too much from the judiciary? <laughs> you know, I started by laughing because, so in this sad case, if I tell you the things we faced, there was a same instance where our document got missing. Uh, the registrar did everything to retrieve it for us. The very day we were going to meet in court, they, they, he, was, uh, he was transferred to Cape Coast. So, and, uh, and we never saw the document again. You know, so look, I, again, Kisset Javin is closer to the action. Isn't, isn't he, hasn't he been a criminal lawyer? A very good one, and he's taught as well. Is that not the case? Yes, he's yes, a senior. yes. Yeah, many years. Right. I mean, he's, he's been teaching for the past seventeen you know, years. And he's an expert, if I can say, on criminal law. I mean, he's been teaching at the and, faculty, and, and the school of law, the rest of right. guy, and it's a great. And he's practice. Yeah, practice. Yes. And practice. No. It's a great. So lawyer. he might 
you might you must know the modus operandi of those who criminal intent or wanna be criminals and he did criminals, right? Even mm. he's closer to the action. That's why he's saying that ah, this thing if I take it here, no more bomb my cheese pretty bad. But I just have to say that, you know, when you keep getting bounced, like one person suggested, a media person suggested like that, then sometimes you want to ask yourself, what is really motivating this person? Yes, he may say that he had he overheard some gossip, that some people are planning a grand scheme to undo him or something like that. Well, gossips may be permitted. I don't know if it's permitted by the OSP, by the way. Uh, but that could be another chapter. I think clearly what we are dealing with is that, it, again, back to the terminologies of principalities and demons who operate in very, very interesting ways. As I said, he's closer to the action. He probably understands and questioning himself. This judge may probably, frankly, if I were not OSP, because probably knows him or her. Which makes me think that the judiciary and the chief justice might be interested in this matter. Because the last thing he wants is another Afrobarometer report that says, ah, confidence in the judiciary is at its lowest end. Because as it is now, the judiciary is unfortunately siamist together with the political, if not even overshadowing the political when it comes to the lowest ebbs of confidence in any public office. I think we don't want to see that. And and for me, when the case was going on and on, a part of me felt that, wow, if people with certain agendas, agenda provocateurs, may take advantage of this and say, let's move beyond the perception of the judiciary per Afrobarometer's report being very, 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 very unreliable to now really dealing with them. You know what that means, you know what that, that can happen. But the Chief Justice must accept the authority immediately and be interested in the matter. And not just allow, and, and other comment, commentators like the Bar Association must also uh, be interested in this matter rather than dismiss a judgment entirely. I was disappointed in the Ghana Bar Association by the way. But having said that, um, look, dealing with this matter is in the interest of everybody. You know, um, a while back, I've forgotten how many, probably two decades ago, I was having an interview on the BBC TV in London with, an aid, with one of these aid entrepreneurs. And then she kept, he kept going on and saying that, look, um, did I know that on the African continent, or was it, well, the African continent or in the developing world, a child dies of hunger every, um, was it every second, I think? Every four seconds, I think he said. And I said, well, did you know at the time that the OAU had reported that grand corruption, which constituted 25% of Africa's GDP, meant that a child dies every four, sorry, every second, $4,000 was being stolen on the continent. Compare that to the fact that a child at the time needed just a dollar to survive in a day. That is the story of corruption, grand corruption, by the way. So what we are dealing with is that if all those sums that we saw and quantified of the over 1,000 procurement-inspired contracts that we saw, that 70% of them did not pass master, if we were to quantify all of that and put them in figurative terms, right, figures, you then wonder that if even if the, 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 the what's it called, the daily minimum wage is, 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 is raised as it is right now, you wonder how many people will not be multidimensionally poorer or will not be added to that bracket just by comparing what we are losing in 
you know, bad contracting to the fact that the 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 the, 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 the impact the had on livelihoods. Don't we celebrate that? Oh, people have been giving a little bit more through uh, what's it called this uh, this livelihood and mm. leap and all of that. Yeah, we should be doing a lot more because poverty cannot be compartmentalized. Which means that if you're able to save a lot more money from all these grand, I call them larceny, what it means is that we have a lot of money for other, uh, for most of our brothers and sisters who may need a little leg up uh, rather than the status quo would give them. Which should define again this election. This election should not just be about how am I going to fight corruption? I'll reduce Article 71 holders, as John Mama said. Maybe, yes, it may help a little bit. So I will pay them. Um, I've not heard what Bamiya will do about corruption, by the way. I hope he's listening to the But we need to hear competitively what they want to do for us in this matter. That's a serious matter. If the OSP keeps singing like the way it's singing, you know, you know why it, what it means for the current administration, by the way. Mm. I leave it there. Very well. Thanks so much, Franklin Kuyo. Um, let me come to you, Honorable uh, Kletus Dapila. Uh, so, so the OSP office was set up, um, you know, in, in the grand style. It was a campaign promise. Uh, so it was eventually set up. First, OSP appointed in the person of Martin Amidu, a person with a very towering reputation when he came to fighting uh, certain causes. Indeed, before he became special prosecutor, in his own party's regime, he fought the government and, and won, you know, on behalf of the, not on, behalf, on his own behalf as a citizen, and in the title, the citizen vigilante. He did not survive in the office because he felt things were not done well. Uh, allocations to that office were not the best. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if his emoluments or salaries and benefits have been paid now, but at the time they were not paid. A lot of impediments on his way. He left office, describing the president in very, some interesting ways, mother serpent of corruption. Now, a new one has been appointed, and it appears also having difficulties. Um, what are we not getting right with the Office of the Special Prosecutor? Before you get there, uh, you listen to the Office of the, the Special Prosecutor. What do you make of uh, the points he raised and, 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 and how we are able to uh, turn this office around? Thank you, <coughs> my brother Salom. I, I <coughs> in fact, uh, watching the, the, the posturing of the Special Prosecutor, when he was addressing the press, you, you can see despair, you can see frustration, you can see despondency in, in his face. And it tells a lot about how the cabal, how the system is gagging him from executing his work. But I am not surprised, Salam. I'm one person who never even supported the creation of the OSP office. Mm. I never supported it because, first and foremost, we have charge. We have the CID. We have the NIB. We have UCO. We have the Auditor General Department. Let's empower these units, these anti-corruption agencies. They will do the job. You see, fighting corruption it's about the political will. Mm. It's about the political will. It's not about creation of anti-corruption agencies. You can create them 10, 20, but if you don't have the political will to say that, look, let them investigate my own people. Let the laws deal with them. 
we will never get it right. Mm. So it's not about OSP. No, I knew it will come to nothing. And on many platforms, I have said that the Office of the Special Prosecutor will not be able to fight corruption because the system will not allow him. Mm. The system will not allow him. Why can't we empower the CID to work? Why can't we empower Chirad to work? Why are we talking of creation of another office? Mm. If a whole Martin Amidu, Martin Amidu that everybody knows, Martin Amidu that I have heard, he's not my contemporary, but I, I, I was in politics, I'm also in politics quite some time. Mm. He did politics with probably my dad and co. But I heard a lot about Martin Amidu. Martin Amidu is somebody who would not entertain corruption. So if Martin Amidu could not work in that office, Kisia Jabin, I'm sorry. He is too low to, to be able but, to but, function. But Kisia Jabin actually is, is channel out some, some, some results. What are the results? No, than so far, what, is her, what has been the achievement? No, but we've office. seen him take on big fights. What, what are, yes, taking on, it's not about raising the issues. No, but Martin see, Amidu equally took up big fights and he ran away. No, you see, taking on the away. fight in the manner he is doing raises the issue, throws light on the issue. Yes, even the media raises the issues. Mm. The media, everybody, everybody. When after corruption and corruption-related issues, you don't need OSP to be the one raising the issues. But he OSP should be able to deal goes, with it. Yes, and so he tries to deal with it. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you that the system is a cabal. The system won't allow him to deal with the issue. So we should throw our hands in despair? I am saying that we need the political will. Okay, mm. first and foremost, the presidency, the judiciary, as he's been, he, he's going through frustration. You see, there, there should be synergy of work or ideas to be able to fight corruption. Okay, Kisia Jabin will go to court, he won't get his way in the court. They will gag him, they will use the judiciary to gag him as he is complaining already. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. When people criticize, when people critique the judiciary, there are so many people in government that will come at us that the judiciary is the last place we should bastardize and all of that. Meanwhile, everybody, everybody, including independent researchers, are telling us that the judiciary is, is, is or the image of the judiciary is sinking. Hmm. So if no less a person than Kisia Jabin, who is a lawyer of his teacher, has come out again, come out to critique the judiciary for gagging him not to do his work. And yet, when, when, when we talk as a political party, then they come at us that we are not respecting the judiciary as an arm of government. Are we the people saying it now? We are not. Kisia Jabi, Jabin of all doesn't have confidence in the judiciary. He doesn't have confidence in the judiciary. And many people, many Ghanaians, many ordinary Ghanaians doesn't have confidence in taking their issues to court because they think they won't get fair judgment. Mm. So if a whole OSP is complaining... But, but is it justified, really? Because other lawyers have said that, yes, the issues he took to court, fine. But maybe uh, the way he put them, it doesn't mean that every matter you take to court, you must win. That's very true. And the courts are there to dispense justice. So that, if I that, took you that, to court, that's very true. the court also has a duty to uphold your rights as well. So the court looks at the case I bring against you, and it thinks that it's not been properly brought. Part of their job is to dismiss my case, so you have justice. If, if I've done it well, they, they uphold my case, and I have justice. So, so it's, it's a two-way affair. That doesn't mean then that 
anything that the, the OSP brings must stand. I think that is where the OSP must get it, and that's what we must you understand. You see, the man told us in the press conference that he had heard some lawyers had come to tell him mm. that there are a group of judges within the system who said that they will throw away all his cases. This one needs serious investigation. He needs to be hauled to the Judicial Council so that he can come and substantiate this allegation. But I'm, no one is saying that. If it was a politician or a stakeholder or somebody, one independent voice who probably has said this, you would have seen the judiciary coming at him. Even they would have even said that less, they should charge him for contempt. I know the judiciary. I know the court, the Supreme Court by now. They would have said, oh, oh the judiciary council, let's arrange him before the judiciary council. Nobody is saying that. No, but it just, it just happened. You yeah, don't know what to come. It's, 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 just, it's just happened. But I am telling you immediately, they would have taken steps. Mm. But knowing the caliber of person that he is, he is also a bit of an untouchable person. The judiciary, too, will be very careful about handling him. Mm. Yeah, they will, they will be very, very careful. I know that mm. because of where he is coming from. And I know he's able to say these things because of where he is also coming from. Mm. Because he's part of the system. Look, where is Domilivo? Salam. Any, anybody, anybody. How did he go on retirement? Anybody who wants to fight corruption in <laughs> this country, particularly this system, anybody who wants to fight corruption in, in this country, particularly this regime, I tell you that they will fight you out. Mm. You cannot, you can't win such a fight. You cannot. Mm. Why? Somebody, under Mahama, somebody, there was a wishful thinker who wished just to make a million dollars mm. and retire from politics. Mm. Mm. What happened to the person? The person mm. was punished. Very well. That has even made the person not to have interest in politics again. Mm. Even though he does it, but on a low key. You understand? Mm. A sitting minister in his house, in his bedroom, Mm. So much millions of dollars, so much pounds, so much cities, so much jewelry, gold, and all of that was taken from her home. Mm. She's not able to account for it. In one story, you hear they are for his late brother. Another story, you hear so many stories about it. And such a person is getting away with it. Where did she get the money? That is why in this country, we are at where we are because... Nobody question anybody where the person gets his money from. Nobody. Mm. Nobody. Nobody. Mm. Nobody. A sitting uh, 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 minister, you have such amount of money in your wardrobe, in your house. You are not able to explain. And she's still getting away. She's getting away with it. So the OSP for me is a duplication of function. It's rhetoric. They can't fight. They can't bite. I'm telling you, this man will continuously losing cases, particularly any case that involves any government official under Akufuado, OSP, Ajabin, the system will fight you. You won't succeed. Really? You will not. I see. You will not because the system is not opening up for their own people to be investigated. Mm. Why? Did you see the letter? The, the, the resignation the letter. The resignation letter and the acceptance letter. It was like a, it was like a love letter. I am telling you, it was like a love letter. Mm. My dear Mr. President, blah, 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 blah. Why? Who does that? No, but anyway, Who does I, that I, in I a serious country? <laughs> so I'm saying that, look, the system, the system, 
It's, but why are you look, equating the, the language the lady used to the, to the system? It's a, it's a letter she's written to the president. Why? Who, why would you write such a letter? My dear president. And the president even, in, in accepting the, the lady's resignation or the woman's resignation, said he, even, he, he, even, he was optimistic he, that she would be, she so, would, so she would, she would has, be he, The president had, in, in, what is that, exonerated the woman. Not quite. The president yeah, she did. She so did. He, he felt the president did. Mm. The language of the president, the, the letter the president wrote, the acceptance mm. letter. Why? So the president is not asking where the lady, so she's not the president. But that's not the forum. Maybe you ask her later. But that's, you, know, you don't ask her publicly. You know, so what I'm trying to say is that, what I'm trying to say is you that. Say it's a difficult fight. And the OSP is, It is a ready, difficult fight. Should be ready to fight more. The OSP cannot do nothing. I am telling you, that office even, I tell you that they should close it. It's close to parliament. They should you, you close that, it. Right? They should just, look, if we can fight corruption, like I said, if we can use Ioko to fight corruption, if we cannot use Chirai to fight corruption, if we cannot use NIB, National Investigation Bureau, to fight corruption, if we cannot use the Auditor General Office to fight corruption, I'm telling you that we cannot fight corruption in this country using the office of the Special Prosecutor. Very it will not work today. It won't work tomorrow. Because oh. the system is a cabal. Look, look. Why? Don't you hear of the corruption and corruption-related issues in this country? Mm -hmm. Don't you see them? Even mm -hmm. the presidency. Mm -hmm. Few days ago, I can show you a video, a video of a white man who came to this country and wanted to see the president. He was asked to pay twenty thousand dollars, and it was captured on video. Yeah, it's on video. I'll share and it they, with they, you. It was captured on video. Somebody yes. asking him to pay money. Captured on video. He is saying it. Oh, but the white man is saying. So we need, we need to interrogate video. that. We need to invest. Yeah, we need to investigate that. So I'm saying that even at the presidency. You hear of corruption-related issues. I Even see. at the doorsteps of the president, the doorsteps of the vice president, you hear of rice getting missing at the port, and they trace it to the house of the vice president, Nana, uh, Dr. Mahmoud uh, I see. You go and talk of, what is that, a married deal. The president signed a corrupt deal and later on come to say that I was misled. But that's not corruption. What is that? Not corruption. No, but if you, so it's the corruption. Person, the person who signed it should. should it's it's the corruption. Led, it's corruption. Me, a deal know. that you claim you were coming to cancel, then you came and later they adjusted it so much and wanted to benefit from it. Before, if so not the, because. The, it simply means that the OSB has a lot of work to do. I am telling you. You need to strengthen him the, the, to do better. The OSB cannot work. They should scrap that office. He can't do nothing under this government, this regime. So will the government scrap it? Our will, government. will the next, I mean, if NDC comes next, will, look, will you scrap it? Look, we honestly never believe in that office. So will you scrap we it? We will empower. Look, let me tell you, President Mahama. President Mahama was the one who gave Abuga Pele and Co. Mm. out for investigation. Very well. And that led to him going to prison. Very well. His let, own let me, people. Let, let me, so I'm saying that I, fighting corruption is about the political will. President Nanado is not ready. Dr. Baumier is not ready. They are not ready to give their own people out very well, very well. for, for uh, investigation. So, uh, I'll speak to him. Let me take this short break, a few seconds, come to him, speak to him, and take some two minutes from Martin Pebu, who has been waiting patiently on, on Zoom. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll come back soon. You're welcome back to the big issue. Uh, today we are looking at the MPP primary. We are looking at other issues too. One of them is the OSP, Office of the OSP this week uh, called a press conference and said a number of things, uh, essentially expressing his frustration at the system. Said he's lost a number of uh, applications at the court and he feels that there's something amiss. Uh, well, we're asking, should every application or any case that the uh, OSP takes to court pass, no matter how it's presented?
and my guests have been trying to deal with that. And then Alfred Ajima will speak, and Martin Pebu is on the line. He'll give us uh, a few lines, and we can call it a day on the show today. Alfred, uh, uh, people think that the political will is not there. Manifesto promise, manifesto your part on governance. You said you institute official, the special prosecutor. That has been done. Martin, Martin Amidou was appointed. Great, great, great thing you did. But eventually, or later, Martin Amidou said, you know, it wasn't working because the system was not for it. And he resigned. Now we have Kisi Jabi complain about other things. His complaint really goes to the judiciary and the fact that he's not been assisted. Um, a lot of things have been said. What is your general thinking around the press conference and the commentary that I've followed there from? And a lot of things have been said on this platform this, this morning. Yes. And uh, half of them, I, for, for matters of decorum, I couldn't in interrupt. Mm. I found a bit strange and, and uh, unwarranted and deviation from the topics that you, you, you have on the table, mm. especially if we're thinking about how to develop things. Instead, people are caught up in finding spaces for revenge. They caught up in their emotional uh, pain from losing elections and being in office and all of that. When you raise the questions, they will not be able to answer. Let's ask my brother. He talked earlier on about uh, he having paid 40 CDs. First of all, the special prosecutor should come after him. Can't his transport. You go to Sharapa, it tells you. I don't know why you want to answer me. Let me flow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because flow. the things, this is only the beginning. You're going to feel like answering every single thing I say. So just rather. So it's my turn. They need to ask him, where did he get the 40 CDs from? He's sitting here talking, blah, 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 blah. that's a corrupt act. It is not his place to be doing what he did. Mm. He knows that. We've talked about it here. So you see, we have to be very careful about the things we say. He I remember earlier he had referred to, you see how you are itching. I told you, you won't so, be able so, to keep quiet. Earlier on he was talking about uh, the NDC, as for them when they were in office, they are very straight. They didn't. Does he remember one of his colleagues eh, took E.T. Manson's seat by supplying water and things. How did he pay for it? What salary was he on that he was paying for water to be supplied to communities? You see, if we want to deal for Ghana, when it comes to certain things, let's be straightforward and deal for Ghana mm. and stop the partisanship. Because in that instance, it takes away time. Look at the amount of time I've spent just trying to respond to only him. The real issue on the ground is that we have an OSP. The value of the OSP is because, as a country, we have not focused well on fighting corruption. If I were to ask you to outline clearly Mr. Rawlings, who used to be the flag bearer for uh, anti-corruption things, what exactly did he do? Come to everybody else down the line. Come to Mr. Mahama. What did he do in office to show us that he was fighting corruption? What we need and what has happened so far, I'll, take, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give President Kufuado credit for what has happened so far, at least as far as what he has tried to do. Mm. Setting up the office of the uh, special prosecutor is to allow law to work so that we don't get emotional in our fights against corruption. Half of the fights in, for, against corruption, he's talking about the system. What is the system? The system is uh, people in a, in, in a, a trail of uh, ways of processes or ways or processes of doing things. Yes. Why does the, the, that system get stunted? 
Because if I go and I'm taking my car uh, uh, from the port, I have to pay tip custom officers so that they'll stamp my paper quickly and go. That one, is it not corruption? We have, when you say it's systemic, that's where we should be talking about. Out of that, we will hold uh, the, the, the leaders of those institutions responsible. But when you know, now zero in on only the politics, you lose. Ghana loses. The OSP's argument for me is fair. That is why he's supposed to be independent. Mm. And for me, he's exhibiting that. That's what, in fact, as I wrote some English here for myself. I said, beware the OSP coming. Mm. All of us have to be careful. Every single person, I'm saying that he's talking blah, 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 blah. If the OSP says, where did you get your 40 CDs from? You have to respond. I for it. You have to respond. You see, and that's what we should be considering and noticing that it is good for all of us. Don't be caught up in a Kufuad. Why? If a Kufuad's office people uh, uh, have done something wrong and we leave the OSP to do his work, if it's not today, it will be tomorrow. It will mm. come out. So the thing is, talk positively about the office. Don't say we don't see, I don't see its importance and things. Talk positively about the office. Let us see how we can empower that office some more. What's the value of him coming to sit on air and telling us what's going on? To inform us, it is not a desperate move. It is his responsibility. It is part of uh, the law that put him together to keep us informed about the work he's doing. It is a way of fighting corruption in itself. That is why I will come up with English like, beware the OSP cometh. Because when he tells you, I'm coming, then you start paying attention and nobody's able to stop him. What he did, nobody was able to stop him, him informing us. Nobody, it is key to his work. Now, as far as the judiciary is concerned, you see, he's given us a sweeping opinion about how he's being affected by his work. But we should be asking the detailed questions. And I think he sets us up to do that. It is our responsibility as citizens to raise the questions. You raise one of them, very key. Does it have to be his way? The detail of your question is this. What laws did he use to propose to the courts that I have this case and I want this result? Did the courts agree with him because that, the quotation for that law would justify his position? Was it relevant? What's the principle behind a particular action? We need, you see, things don't just happen. <laughs> things don't just happen. We don't just, it's uh, sitting in a courtroom or asking for legal action. It's not like calling for a beer at a beer bar. It is not as simple as that. And even a beer bar beer, when you come for it, it's not that simple because now the waiter will take your order, go back, go and see if it's cold. If they bring in, it's not cold, it's the wrong beer. I mean, the technique, imagine that, as simple as an act as that. Now we're talking about legalities. So for me, I congratulate the OSP. I think that he's doing very well. I'm, I'm not about to compare him to Mr. Al Martin Amidu. Uh, the political angles that they both took are different. One has decided that he's sustainable, he will stay. You fight. One didn't think he should stay and fight. One has stuck to the issues and is facing them and raising them as far as he's concerned about how Ghanaians should know it. I think we need to back him on that. And like I said, we need to be, be very careful about who we are. I wrote a few other things down. I don't know if I'll be able to uh, talk about all of them, but um, my brother referred to something about empowering uh, uh, other institutions. It's not about empowering them all, because they get what they're supposed to get. Mm. What 
what, uh, uh, when, if they don't get what they're supposed to get, you, you're a parliamentarian. You should be out there calling for it to be, to, to be brought to the table. But the thing is that, like I said, the system is uh, uh, managed by people. What are those people doing such that we're having a hard time fighting corruption? That's the question we should be asking. Why are we not holding those people responsible? Why are we always eager to go to only the top? And I don't care whether it's an MPP government, NDC government, or QYP government. Mm. Ghanaians have a habit of not going to the top, Very well. to the uh, people, the bureaucracies. Mm -hmm. and they rather rush to go to the top, and it doesn't help us. If you hold those people responsible, you begin to see change. As far as I'm concerned, let laws work. Mm. Apply the laws. That's well. where the discussions go mm. on how we do it. Very well. That's how it should go. Very and well. uh, by the way, so, Nana, th right there's no, there's no die, reason... He didn't bust that. You see, that's the other thing. Good. I'm, great. I'm glad no, you no, raised that. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah, quickly, quickly, yeah. quickly. He, uh, he said that he doesn't have confidence in the court. It's not true. That's not what Ajabin said. He did not say that. He said Ajabin he'd be the last not... person to actually do that. Yes. So and how gave... do you come up with yeah. that? Yeah. He didn't bastardize the court. He's raising yeah. an issue. I have this issue on the table. There seems to be a trend. Why but, is but it going You on? can also say, I won't bastardize the court. I but did. everything you say he will, will do that. But that was so not bastardized. You can, you can if you, smart to say if you, you have understood how courts work, if you have understood how right, courts work, well, let, 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 you, uh, Martin Pebble works with the Martin Pebble works with the court. He goes to the court almost every time, and he's had some great victories in the Supreme Court. He's on, this is a special edition, MPP coverage, etc. So we have some few more we have a few more minutes martin pebble is, is a senior lawyer uh very decor well decorated lawyer and a lawyer's lawyer we call him uh, martin welcome to the program um, um i i appreciate you, your time Salon. i appreciate your time and all uh, of that and, and <laughs> happy to see good. you on zoom uh, Salon, yes i'm a rookie we are still learning we are all learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's martin for you uh, has a number of victories significant victories public interest matters and all of that you know, to, to, to his credit. Martin, very quick one, just for a few minutes, your thoughts on this. Did you think, just flowing from the discussion or comments of Nana Fredua, Nana Fredua Ajiman of Urata, I'm careful. Oh, oh. You know, uh, do you okay. think that special prosecutors, I mean, special prosecutor bastardized the court in his press statement or conference? Will you say that some of the things he said bastardized the court, even though he said his training experience and everything he stood for will not allow him to do that? Do you think he actually ended up bastardizing the court in any way? Well, if you say in any way, definitely there was a little bit of it because you're saying in any way. Mm. If he had said largely or substantially, that would have been different. Mm. Naturally, to the extent that he says there is a trend of a regressive and dismissive judgment, okay? Yes, you know, once that is done, it casts the judiciary in a bit of a bad light. But, you know, this is the saving grace. Because it's a democracy, at least the judiciary have had opportunity to respond through uh, the bar association. You know, the bar association usually would come out because the judges can't come and grant direct interviews on this matter. So you heard what the Bar Association said, and I agree with uh, a lot of it, which is basically that in matters like this, when you go to court and then you lose, go on appeal, 
Salam, you and I will go to court every day. That's the main thing. As soon as you start complaining about a judgment to a colleague lawyer, a practitioner, the first thing you ask is that, have you appealed? Have you appealed? Mm. That's the first question. So, Mr. Jabin can complain because under the law, he's supposed to give feedback on the work he's doing under the OSP Act 959, right? Mm -hmm. He's supposed to give two half-yearly reports and all that. So he's to give the details of the cases. So if it's lost, he's lost. If it's won, he's won, right? We support the OSP. We support it, okay? And we support the office. We support Mr. Jabin. Of course, he has his own issues. And before I continue, you see how now he's not happy about the losses. That's the same way we are unhappy about how he, he, he's attempting to let Charles Edouard off the hook. So as OSP is talking about the court, you should also remember that we're also talking about him, talking about the way we will not let this Charles Edouard matter die. So that is the democracy. You see, uh -huh. so it's not a one-way traffic that he can talk about the courts and then we will not talk about him. Or, you know, at the press conference, he admitted that, yes, uh, people should criticize him to accept that we shouldn't kill the, the office. Good. So, uh, uh, Salom, that is the matter. He's commented, the judiciary too have commented to uh, Mr. Xavier Kuje, the, uh, the PRO, PRO yeah. of the... Yes. So that, 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 that is it. That, you see, you can't win all the cases. You will lose some and win some. So by all means, Mr. Jabin should go on with the appeals because that's very, very important. Let's take number one. You see, the Charles, uh, sorry, this man's matter. Um, Is it Canada? Sir John. Sir John. I want to start with John. Uh, the matter is on appeal. They should push the appeal. I don't know why for how many months now the matter is not being heard by the appeals court. It's OSP pursuing that matter diligently because it was just a motion. So you put the record together, push, 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 then you go quickly. So he should have given us uh, what the state of the appeal as well, so that from court of appeal, even if he loses there, as I've mentioned, in the spirit of the practice at the bar, he can go to the Supreme Court. And even at the Supreme Court, if he loses on the ordinary bench, he can go to review jurisdiction, right? So OSP left us in the dark as to the state of the appeals. And we are saying that that is also very important. You say, yes, because we can't just leave those matters there. The matter of St. John taking part of the Archmota Forest is not a small matter. This big, grand, uh, this is corruption. No, we have to fight it to the end. So we ask the OSP to come back on it. Yes, Salon. Yes. So, um, I mean, I don't know how... Kusei Jabin wants a judiciary to deal with the office of the special prosecutor. You think he wants to be given a special dispensation or favored uh, uh, beyond the ordinary. Sometimes, of course, to be fair, when we go to court and we see how the court deals with state prosecutors, sometimes we have the feeling that the courts uh, sometimes understand the, the bureaucracies in the system. So if, for example, they are to file a, a process, they don't file it, the court will complain, but the court in complaining will we'll, we'll do it in a certain way. Uh, and so people think that sometimes the court leans towards the, the, the AG's office and things like that. Is that a kind of thing? Or shouldn't the, the, the judiciary be treating the OSP's office like that? Since they don't work for themselves, they work in the interest of the state, the same way the state attorneys and prosecutors do. Is that the kind of thing he's expecting? Uh, Salon, it's difficult to... Uh, say that he's expecting special treatment. Well, but 
in pointing out some of the challenges he's faced, maybe if there was prejudice, it can die down. I'm finding it difficult to see how we can say that OSP be treated specially. We're using the same rules. So let's take a typical example. Are you aware that, look, under the rules, so let's look at a rule that will work to his benefit. Just section 32 of the law. He must bring charges against Madame Dapa within 60 days. That's section 32 of his law. But fortunately for OSP, do you see that Madame Dapa filed to restrain OSP, filed some motions in the Human Rights Court. And so, Salon, do you see that that motion Madame Dapa filed has given OSP a lot of latitude to continue investigations beyond the 60 days? Did you hear at the press conference that he says he's now going to bring in Yoko and other agencies? He says he doesn't have mandate on money laundering. Right, and that's true under Section 79 of his act. Money laundering is not part of his mandate. So he's now bringing it, bringing in Yoko. So, Salam, the point I'm making is that sometimes it's the nature of the rules. So here we are under Section 32. He was supposed to by now even release Madame Dapa's money to her because it's been more than 60 days. The 60 days started counting from when? I think it was 4th or 5th September when uh, OSV re-arrested. Uh, after releasing the money to her, OSV re-arrested and took and uh, received the money. So if it's 4th or 5th September, whichever one of them, so October was one month, and November was another. Today is what? 2nd uh, December. We are almost three months in, right? Yet, nobody is saying that OSP should return Madame Dapa's money. No, nobody said so. And so through the court process, through what Madame Dapa has uh, filed, now OSP is getting a lot of respite, which is very much needed, because the 60 days, as I would say, is too short. So you see this typical example. So tomorrow, will OSP say that, hey, uh, Madame, he, that he's not interested in what Madame Dapa has done, what the rules, uh, the actions of Madame Dapa has conferred on the office, the extra time. Will he say he's not interested? You see, so for me, like I said, he can complain. Yes, it's within his rights. And when he, uh, the, some of the comments are not on, the other side too can rebut. That's how we build a democracy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I see. Um, the, the 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 OSP. Uh, it, it appears his. It, does it appear that he's biting too much? And maybe this is my last question. Does it appear that he's biting too much? He has all these high-level cases he's dealing with. Now he's going to deal in sale of public lands. That's one. He's dealing with tall matters. He's dealing with. He's going to deal with payroll investigations and etc. Yes, it's part of his mandate. But his office is barely been set up. Do you think that he should hold on with these, even though there could be issues there, and focus on some, on some key things, settle, get proper grounding, as we say, in local parlance, before he moves into those? Yeah, or you think he's spreading himself too thin or so thin that may later come back to bite him? Okay, Salon, uh, you know, there's this new development. Maybe he hasn't uh, come on that one since it took place. You know, sometime in September, he got... Officially, he was uh, 249 new uh, employees yes. were to start with. Yes. Naturally, not everybody would come on. So let's even say, even if finally 200 took office. The point I'm making is that so now at least he has new officers. And I like the way he's, he's, he's taking on the payroll thing, the ghost names, right? And the thermal oil refinery cases, all those things. Salam, you know that uh, 
Even apart from officially finishing investigations and going to prosecute, the fact that he has stepped in helps to stem some of those things, at least for a while. So let's say the tall matter, he's asked them to stop. So at least that's a form of injunction. So it helps because that tall matter, it appears the uh, Toronto and the new names it has acquired was just going to fleece us. The workers made noise and made noise, and government wasn't listening. I understand even the Minister for Energy, Napo, himself was not even happy about the deal. But somebody very powerful in the government was still pushing it. So, Napo, thank you. I understand you were against it. Maybe next time, come out openly and say it, Napo. Yes? Uh, you should come out and say it. Why? If, I mean, isn't it the government is for all of us? So if you are happy about corrupt deals, come out and say it. You see from Pong Boati, you see now from Pong Boati is a hero. So Napo should come out the next time. And the same thing for Boati Ejako. He also failed to talk when he was in office. He only waited till years on. Now he's complaining about Gabi, etc. That conduct must stop. When you are in office, be bold. Even if they sack you, at least posterity will judge you right. So, Salon, the main point is that, Mr. Jabin, going into those areas is helpful. Look, take even the example of the GR, the Canada matter he has just lost. Even though he's lost in court, you know when he finished the investigations, he asked GRA to come out with a new document to stop the leakages, the advanced rulings. In simple words, the discounts they were giving friends and family. And GRA complied. My understanding is that GRA is now using that document in this area. So, he's, uh, so it's helping to uh, seal the loopholes, to block a lot of the loopholes. So presumably, we are making more money. Maybe a reporter should go and check that through the new policy that the GRA has brought, how much extra money are we making? So we allowed Mr. Jabin and GRA for that work done. Mm. Also, that La Bianca matter, you see that when he stepped in and stopped the process, Madam, uh, this, uh, uh, the woman, La Bianca, she paid in over a million CDs. Hey, Salom, over a million CDs is a lot of money. It can even pay staff of the OSP, some staff for months. So the point I'm making is that uh, for now, I won't say the OSP is, uh, is stretching itself too thin. No, with the new uh, injection of employees, at least hopefully about 200, I think there is even room to cover more. So he should continue. He should continue. We support him. But of course, we also want to remind him that just as his person taking on the judiciary, we too will be taking him on on the charge. They do why he matter. That matter cannot die. Is it because the vice president is involved? Is it because he was going to see the vice president to do the influence, this uh, peddling? Is that why OSP is not interested in that matter and is pretending there's no law against influence peddling? When section 252 of Act 29, the Criminal Offenses Act, is very clear that we have a law on influence peddling. Mm. I see. Martin, as always, thanks so much for, for, for speaking to us uh, this afternoon. Uh, thanks so much. This is how we conclude today's edition of the program. It's a special edition. We will continue with the coverage of the MPP's uh, parliamentary uh, primary. Uh, we will do this till the, the names, uh, the, the, the winners are announced. Let me say before, quick, quickly before I go, uh, that um, uh, quickly before I go, that uh, on, on footprints, you know, normally nine o'clock in the morning, it's, it's time for footprints. So on footprints uh, this weekend, we have a conversation with the Paramount Chief of the Asokore Asante. 
uh, who is also a lawyer and diplomat, Nana Eskibi Asante, on his over 60 years of service to the nation and the world. Uh, catch this episode this Sunday. Uh, there's a repeat. So catch Sunday, 3rd December 2023 at 4 p.m. And it's only on City TV. Let me also add uh, that, you know, we will... We are signing off, obviously, but we'll leave you with interviews on the contest currently ongoing. Ni Lante Bannerman, you remember him? Ni Lante Bannerman, Odeododio aspirant. Also, Manaf Soa, an aspirant for that Odeododio constituency as well. There's Fuseni Isa for Kankwe North. There's Ken Crunchy also for Kankwe North. There's Prince Owusu Mensa also for Kankwe North. We'll show you these interviews uh, as we sign off. And the next team will come to take uh, us to the end by 2 o'clock when we will have results trickling in. This has been the show uh, this for, for today. My name is Selom Adunu. My guest, Franklin Kudio, President in Mani, Africa. My good friend, uh, Samir Yafi, our correspondent at the presidency, who could not have a bite on the OSP matter, but that's fine. Uh, Nana uh, Fredwa Ajima Oforiata, leading member of the MPP. And then, Honorable uh, <laughs> Claire to say to Dapila, Member of Parliament for the Jirapa constituency for the NDC. Uh, thank you so much for uh, watching the show and keep watching CCTV. We are on till uh, the results are announced. Have a good afternoon.